Thanks to Audible for supporting the PC Perspective podcast. Right now, for a limited time, you can get three months of Audible for just six ninety five a month. That's more than half off the regular price. Go to audible.com slash PCPer or text PCPer to 500-500. Hey everyone, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 523 being recorded on Wednesday, November 28th, 2018. Uh, I'm your host, Jim Tannis. I'm Jeremy Hallstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Sebastian Peak. I'm Alan Malventano. And sitting in the peanut gallery, we've got it's Ken. And Ken or something, I don't know. I still love the tiki torches in the background. <laughs> You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, they're still still sitting there from that party. Yeah. Timing was bad on that. Yeah, that was, yeah, that yeah. was unfortunate. Well, yeah. we hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. We missed you all last week. I've been gone for two weeks because I had a little issue involving vomit and a cat. You, anyway. Long story. But I missed you guys, and uh, it's good to be back. Um, and we've got uh, a great show for you. But quickly, let's just uh, run down the details. We record this show live Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. And you can join us at pcper.com slash live if we could ever get the stream to work reliably. Um, eh. And, of course, there you can also join us uh, in our IRC to chat with us uh, when we go live. Um, and if you don't want to miss uh, a show, you can join uh, our uh, mailing list, which we use only to let you know when we have live events. That's at uh, pcper.com slash subscribe. And we just send out a, a reminder uh, a couple hours before we go live. Um, to uh, support us here, we still have the Patreon campaign going at patreon.com slash PCPer. And I've got, I've been transferred over, so I get the emails. Ooh, so it's time yeah. to bring this back. Uh, the, the institution or the, uh, the uh, tradition instituted by our former uh, host and editor in chief was that if you are become a new patron during the show, during the live taping, where you increase your pledge, I'll get an email here. And whatever you put in the name field when you make that pledge, I will read out loud and within reason. You're going to be I'm sorry. I'm going to say no. But we'll I'm going to say not within reason. Not within reason. Anything that will not get me arrested, okay. I will read. Okay. Hmm. Uh, so it's Patreon.com/slash/PCPer, huh? Yes. Okay. I'll get right on that. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so I uh, hereby will all of my earthly possessions <laughs> to Ken Addison. You're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, and of course, uh, you can also uh, check out our uh, our merchandise store at joshtech.com, where we've got uh, T-shirts, mugs, posters, uh, and uh, you get a cool item there. And then all, we get a little cut to help us out. So it's check that Josh out. Josh Tech with two Ks. Josh Tech with two Ks yeah. makes a. You great know what the best thing gift. is about the joshtech.com? I have no earthly idea. If you noticed it, the prices were the same on Cyber Money Monday. So essentially. You get Cyber Monday prices all year round. <laughs> oh, shit. I should have thought about that. What think. a bargain. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Also, True. this is an opportunity to truly baffle a friend or relative who doesn't watch the show. Get them this mug or this poster and really bring some, some joy to their holiday season. But, uh, yeah, we'll just jump right into the show uh, with that. We've got a bunch of stuff because of the week, uh, the, the missing last week due to Thanksgiving. Uh, so we'll jump right in. We've got the AMD RX 590, which launched, it uh, seems like a while ago now, because I think it launched the day after the, po- the, the last, last podcast. podcast. Yeah. And Ken was uh, always enough the to review that for us. Uh, so tell us about this interesting little card. 
So, this has been, well, this was rumored for a while, the mythical, well, I guess it turned out to not be mythical, the 12 nanometer Polaris refresh. So, we kind of saw this with AMD and their Ryzen CPUs earlier this year. They have the Ryzen 2000 series, which is the same basic CPU Zen architecture that they had on the initial Ryzen launch, but sort of ported to this new quote-unquote 12 nanometer process from global foundries which is their what they're calling their tweaked 14 nanometer process which both the ryzen cpus and the polaris gpus were on so this is an odd one this new polaris 30 gpu is technically the third time we've seen polaris we had the rx 480 and then the tweaked 580 and now we have the 590 so three same but different pieces of silicon Still have the same amount of GPU cores, uh, frequencies seen increase, but texture units, ROPs, memory, memory clock, memory interface, memory bandwidth, all say the same. TDP does see a bit of an increase as the clocks are rated a bit higher, but it's from from the outside looking in, it's just a higher clocked Polaris. How AMD got there by moving to a slightly revised process node is a whole other thing, but essentially what we're looking at is polaris again but at slightly higher clock speeds so i mean i guess we can just start looking at some of the numbers all right spoilers um it's you know slightly faster than rx 580 uh the the more interesting comparison is between the 1066 gigabit gigabyte card which the uh rx 580 generally lost to Mm -hmm. it was faster than the 1063 gig card but not the 1066 gig card because those, despite the names, have different CUDA core counts, mm-hmm. not just memory differences. So if we just kind of scroll through a couple of results here, in general, we see that in most tests, the RX 590 ends up beating or right at par with the GTX uh, 1066 uh, gigabyte card mm-hmm. and is about 10% faster than the RX 580. In across just about every title we tested, yeah, twelve percent over the ten sixty and uh, yeah. So you, in some games, you actually see a pretty decent margin. Some it's a draw. I think what uh, happened here? Uh, frame buffer. Wow. So the three gig frame frame buffer at the settings we were running at uh, in Wolfenstein two just kind of completely obliterated the ten sixty three gig card. Yeah, one uh, percent down, four percent down. Yeah, so so you know. There's ever some variants. You know, for, for a 1080 card, you know, a 1080p based card that you really don't want to go much above that. It's it does pretty well. Yeah. And it, yeah, again, you don't you, you got two extra gigs of memory from the uh, the six gig 1060, and uh, you know it seems to compete well. There's not much that uh, you know is is a negative to it, except of course maybe <clears throat> power consumption. Yeah, so we can go ahead and, and skip to the power consumption page. Uh, it's, you know, not great, I'll say. Uh, but it's not a whole lot different than an RX 580. So you can see, well, nope, scroll up. There's your okay. power. Uh, comparing the RX 580 to the RX 590, the RX 580 was essentially locked at 200 watts, where you see more of a drift above the 200 mark range with the, 500, with the 590 about. We'll sit. We'll call that two twenty five ish. I think that's pretty fair. Is yeah. about where it gets to. Uh, so you're seeing an extra twenty five watts there. 
Interestingly enough, the rated TDPs between these two GPUs are, it's 185 for the RX 580, I believe, and 225 for the RX 590. So you would, in theory, expect a bigger golf because we're comparing two factory overclock cards in here, but it's actually a lot closer than you might think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and similarly, you see, if you scroll down to the clock speeds, I think you see about a 150 megahertz difference between the two cards that we tested. Uh, scroll down one more. Yeah. So the RX 580, MSI RX 580 Gaming X was right about 1400 megahertz, whereas the XFX 5, RX 590 Fat Boy eh, uh, yeah. was just under 1600. I'm going to say Fat Boy is my new favorite gaming <laughs> gaming GPU line. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's still a pretty, it's a, you know, for an average clocked RX 580 that is stock, it's, it's about a 250 to 300 megahertz jump. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. overall and how and how would you say at least with the rx the xfx one uh did it get significantly hotter than the other or uh you know it's been so long since i've written this review i don't actually remember the exact details but i think it stayed uh under 70 degrees celsius even in an overclock state so definitely not getting hot they've figured out coolers for these players gpus over the past couple of years we've had them i mean it's the same basic board layout and everything so it, once you get one of these aftermarket cards it's going to be a pretty tested design at this point uh, as we can see here with the sound measurement it's quiet as well uh whereas the rx580 card from msi that we tested was actually pretty loud this dual fan design from xfx was quite quiet here's the issue MSRP for this RX 590 that we tested is what's it 289? I think if you scroll up, Jim. Yeah, 279. If you're comparing MSRPs to RX 580, that's a just a kind of small increase. However, especially since it's been Black Friday, you can get an RX 580 for 180 bucks for an 8 gig card. I saw mm-hmm. 180, 190 of them going. And I mean, you're talking a hundred dollar difference for ten to fifteen percent performance. You should absolutely not buy this card. However, if it's price competitive with RX 580s, it makes sense to go ahead and get the slightly faster card. Well, there is one other thing to think about here. If you get the RX 580, you get two free games, and sure. if you get the RX 590, you get all three of the free games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but for the price difference, so they've got the pack. <laughs> you could buy the last game yeah well but still it's yeah. it's you, it's you are another, getting a slightly faster point. card with the 590 yeah i think the games are res the resident evil 2 remake the division 2 and i always forget the last one we got a story on that at some point here yeah it's the uh it's the fighting game yeah that i can't remember. um double make cry oh yeah it's Devil make cry 5 which isn't really a fighting game but yeah oh what is it? It's like a, I've never like played any uh, I don't know. It's like a, a platform. Like a first-person brawler, uh, like action game almost. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're fighting, but you're not, so fight, very you're stylized not fighting. It's a very stylized fighting. Like a single yeah. player in like a Mortal Kombat or Killer Instinct style. Yeah. yeah. Oh, All right. okay. So the 590 Fat Boy. Yeah. So, so the 590 isn't really an exciting launch. It's nice to see a little extra performance bump for amd to beat the gtx 1060 6 gig they have new sort of mid-range card they're kind of revitalizing this mid-range tier that everyone has seemingly ignored nvidia hasn't had a mid-range release in quite a while i think even the supposed rx 2060 is still going to come in 
substantially higher than this, as we've seen with the entire RTX lineup. So it's nice to have a new performance king for the 1080p range, but as there's still RX 580s in the channel, the pricing just isn't going to get there. I think once the RX 580s kind of leave the channel, probably after this holiday and they sell through, we'll start to see some sales on the 590 and it'll be a more compelling card. But right now, just buy the cheaper one, right? If you can get a 580 for a pretty good deal, go with that. If you can get, see a 590 on sale and it's, you know, they, I'd say maybe up to a $50 price difference, you get that extra free game, then maybe you go with that. But this is all, the mid-range GPUs are always an area where we see pricing is very sale dependent and a $50 and, swing. And then in this, it's really compressed. It's a compressed yes. area with a lot yeah. of cards. A, a, a 40 to $50 swing in the mid-range GPU arena just kind of changes everything. changes the whole yeah. performance to price are, ratio. They're, they're pointing out in the chat, too, there, there's some issue apparently with this card in Linux. Oh, I hadn't seen that. Uh, level 1's done some no, stuff. Sure. Uh, no. some there's, stuff. there's a follow-up on that as well from the chat. Apparently, it's not in the current drivers, but it's uh, missing a BIOS device ID. Yeah, it's probably a new device ID. Okay, so mm. easily, relatively easily fixable? I'm sure it'll be fixed be. with a new driver, but... All right. Yeah, so it, is the power it, consumption of this card uh, more a sign of just the immaturity of this 12 nanometer processor? Or is this really just kind of like 12 in name only? You would not expect a card that is essentially just an overclocked 580, since every other element of the core is the same, would be drawing 40 to 50 watts more power at a lower process node, you'd think the efficiencies would keep it somewhere around 200 watts, but apparently that was not the case. You know, there there's multiple thinking behind that. One is that it is, it's not a lower process node. It's a more optimized process. And uh, they've obviously optimized for greater transistor switching speed. And, they probably did some other small things in, in terms of design to to improve that so they can get the clock speeds up there, but they're not obviously hitting the thermal um, limits that that the 14 nanometer, you know, older RX 580, you know, did at that. And so, uh, you know, it's 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 interesting. I'd like to learn more because in six months, six to eight months, we'll probably have the Navi stuff, which is rumored at seven nanometer and we currently have a lot of that polaris silicon at 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 14 nanometer why did they do 12 nanometer i mean what what are they kind of getting out of it and so i'm I'm really curious at, at the thinking because yeah it's nice to get this mid-range jump and and a new product that truly is a a new product i mean it's it's a different you know, it's it, it's going to require different masks. It's essentially a slightly tweaked and optimized process. Why did they do that? I mean, it's 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 really kind of interesting looking at this decision because it's kind of a dead end, really. I mean, well, it creates gonna... a new product, and you know, you have a new, you know, a new look out there in the market, and they're. They're kind of mitigating the increase in cost by throwing in an extra game, and obviously you would expect the stock of the 580s to fall off. I don't. I don't think they will. This, I think they're, the 580s are are going to stick around for a long time. I mean, the you, 570s you can get for 130 bucks. I mean, do you, sit, do you still version. think they're making 14 nanometer Polaris silicon, 
Or do you just think there's I a lot of it probably left? Probably not. They're just probably going through inventory that yeah. they they have left around. Yeah. So but I don't know. I mean, with with a couple of good sales, I think they it might get wiped out. Like I mean, if you look at Pascal now, it's difficult to find one of those, and then they didn't exactly see many sales. <laughs> But overall, do you do you like this card? Do you think? I mean, you gave it a silver award, right? It, it it's a good performer. It's just if there weren't so many sales on RX 570s and 580s at the time, it, like with it being the holiday season, if there weren't all these sales, then it would be much more compelling. Yeah. But in the current, and, I mean, and it is generally a 1080p card, and you've only got so much room there because it, you, you you could start to do lower end 1440p stuff well, right, 60 but, hertz with but this you're card gonna be, i think you're going to be limited there I mean, if you yeah. want a good gaming card at 1080p there's a there's a ceiling to how much performance you need today mm-hmm. so is the 580 already well suited enough for that yeah yeah oh yeah all right well if you do pick up a new gpu you're going to need a power supply <laughs> maybe not one this powerful but we've got a power supply from uh, from Lee, a uh, review from Lee. It's the EVGA Supernova 1000-watt G1 Plus. The uh, G series power supplies from EVGA have been around for a while. This one is the the plus, uh, the new plus designation, and it's available in 650, 750, 850, and the 1000 that he reviewed. And the differences here are it's got a uh, slightly smaller form factor. Uh, so it's it's I think it's he said it was twenty millimeters shorter, uh, yeah twenty millimeters shorter. Mm. So it's a you know, it's it's still an ATX power supply, but it's a little bit uh, smaller. So you get some more flexibility there, and it's got a hundred thirty five millimeter uh, fluid dynamic bearing fan, which uh, he said which the marketing materials say is up to twenty percent quieter, and he said was very quiet. Uh, so it's a, it's a good thousand watt power supply. It's gold rated, so you know you're not getting that platinum or titanium certification, but you don't necessarily need it uh, in something at this price point or, or for this, this use case. And so you're not, you're not paying for that certification either uh, out of the box. Um, he gave it a very high marks. It's a $190 MSRP, but Newegg's got it for 130 which much better deal. <laughs> huh. Wow. Yeah. Well, for a kilowatt, that's not a bad deal at and all. And that was yeah. in October. So that's like not even Black Friday sales or anything. Right. Yeah. That's just, it's, it's. I wonder what it's at now. Uh, I will look. Well, yeah, well, you can look that up. Uh, so it's fully modular EVGA. It's a good brand for power supplies. Uh, I've got three or four of them running in my systems. Uh, not the G plus, but the the, the older uh, the G series. Uh, so they've all been great. Uh, the one thing he says though um, is uh, it doesn't have a silent mode where you know not a lot of supplies these days will turn off the fan at low loads to make it silent, and this one doesn't do that. It, it'll slow the fan down. Uh, but it doesn't turn it off. Uh, and he says, on one hand, yeah, you'd like to see that. On the other hand, it's probably good to have air moving through there yep. at all times anyway. So not a huge issue there. Um, but uh, that, and that really was the only uh, negative he could come up with. It got an editor's choice, which is our top our top award. Uh, tight voltage regulation, good AC ripple and noise suppression, good high efficiency for its 80-plus gold, uh, gold certification, and and it is quiet, even though it doesn't have that uh, that that silent running mode where it shuts the fan off. Yeah, I mean, it's probably spinning so slowly; it probably just yeah. it doesn't register any sound anyway. Yep, you know, a low power, ten uh, year warranty. So uh, check out. Uh, do we got a price on that as of right now, Ken? Uh, it's a hundred bucks on Amazon, one ten on Newegg. Wow, not bad at all. 
Uh, it's a good brand. It's a good price, 1,000 watts. Uh, so if you want uh, the full details of all the testing and all the uh, you know, the voltage and, and, and the regulation numbers and all that, check out his review. He's got some detailed uh, charts and graphs there for you. Uh, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll leave it at that. It's an editor's choice for the EVGA Supernova 1,000-watt G1 Plus power supply. Make sure when you're shopping, you search for the Plus because they've got the G without the Plus as well. So. All right, even more reviews. We have a ton of reviews here. So next up is Sebastian, who reviewed for us the ECS. Is it pronounced Leva? Liva? Thank you. Leva me alone. Oh, hello. <laughs> I am now unmuted. I've always, I've always said Leva. Leva. So okay, so, the Leva Z two. It's a Gemini know. Gemini Lake fanless mini PC. Tell us about this. Well. um... This is more of a, what I discovered reviewing this is it's more of a productivity device. If you look at it, this has that kind of double Z height of, I cannot remember the name of the, there's a slight differentiation with the Intel nooks for the taller unit that can accept a two and a half inch hard driver SSD. Mm -hmm. This basically has that form factor. So in addition to the eMMC onboard storage, you can also add your own SSD or hard drive. And it has dual HDMI outs. Interestingly, one is 1.4, one is 2.0. Supports high-resolution displays. Uh, But it's with the N5000, the Pentium Silver chip that's in this, it's really not powerful enough to do a whole lot in the way of like high-definition home theater once you get into the 4K realm. Yeah. So uh, upgradability was good. It's competitively priced compared to the market for these sorts of devices. I thought the upgrade path was actually as painless as any of these little mini PCs. The feet come right off and they're captured feet and then you pop in whatever other memory modules you want. It has two slots, takes DDR4 SODEMs. I believe it can take up to 16 gigs if you really needed it to. This is passively cooled, of course. It's a, it's a silent PC. So my only issues... Uh, basically came from uh, doing higher and higher resolution and bit rate testing of video. If you look at the just productivity, like Geekbench, P- PC Mark 8 I ran, uh, it's going to be slower than a mobile uh, core series part, obviously. Like the Leva Z Plus, which is a core i5. But holds its own with the the sort of contenders in the lower end so performance was fine. Uh, EMMC storage performance was fine. Like it's not as painful as it used to be to run EMMC, but any SSD you have on hand is still going to be faster, but you do have the option of throwing it in there because you have that two and a half inch slot. So uh, temperatures were okay. Uh, I've never really had issue with any of these parts. This is like a six, six ish watt part with a scenario design power of under five Watts. So you're not really going to have any temperature issues. The highest temp package temp I got at, at all was 88 under maximum load running uh, benchmarks repeatedly, which worked out to under 62 degrees Celsius delta. So that was fine. Um, and actually, the it's up on the screen right now. The EMMC, it's some of the faster EMMC that I've seen, sequential anyway, 235 megs with 112 writes. It's pretty fast for EMMC, mm-hmm. but still, I mean, it, it, it doesn't bog down as much as EMMC used to, but it, it's acceptable. But again, the even though the GPU in this can technically 
according to Intel, when I ran the latest drivers, handle the HVAC in hardware, once I got up to higher bitrate 4K, uh, it started to drop frames noticeably, and anything beyond that would not be watchable. Did you test high bitrate uh, bit H.264 video? Uh, I cannot remember the highest bitrate H.264 that I tested. I was testing both until I got to, I don't know if it's up here or not. I think it was uh, 10-bit 4K. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was 10-bit 4K, 60, which is not necessarily reasonable. I think a lot of content is probably coming in at 30. And a lot of movies and stuff, of course, are probably at 24. But interesting. I would have to go back and, and look at the Kodi test files because I was downloading files from the Kodi uh, wiki site. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of stopped at 10-bit 4K60 when it started to drop frames. Sure. Felt like that was its ceiling. But, but then, so... Almost certainly this would be adequate for a home theater PC on a 1080p set. Oh, yeah. Any, anything 1080p or below is, is very smooth, no drop frames. And like I said, I mean, you could throw a very large uh, two-and-a-half-inch hard drive in this thing if you really wanted to. Not that you know most people would need a lot of uh, storage on a home system like this if they have like a, a NAS or something to actually host these files, but... It's it's an interesting little device. Uh, the the one thing about the Levas, and I've been reviewing these for two or three years now, is every iteration they add a little bit of performance. They stay at around the same price point. So as these actual platforms continue to mature, because these have all been based on whatever the Intel sort of Atom platform is, with the exception of those core based units, but of course, I think a lot of interest in these small units, especially for uh, high bitrate video or gaming, would be for an AMD solution and something like this that's targeting six watts. It's obviously not like it would not be in this form factor, but I definitely hear the commenters who historically have looked at this and said, I, I wish it had an APU. But I think to actually hit the targets they were trying to hit and maintain a fanless PC. I, I don't know of any AMD solution to be able to do that right now. I know there are mobile parts out there that could be adopted, but I don't know if anything is going to be doing a lot better than this at uh, SDP of like 4.8 watts. Yeah. But, but uh, so MSRP of 250 for, for this configuration? Yeah, that's with memory, obviously EMMC storage on board. That was 4 gigs of RAM, and it came with a Windows 10 license. Hmm. So that's, that was pre-installed. So yeah, you're getting a complete PC. This is not considered like a, a bare-bone kit. Mm-hmm. As far as I can tell, this is like a ready-to-go PC out of the box. Although I could not find one listed for sale yet. This might be something that's still coming to the U.S. market. I'm not sure. It wasn't on Amazon or Newegg. Ah, okay. So something to look out then for a good productivity machine and, and just anything but the highest end of home theater usage. All right. Uh, next up, another review. We've got uh, Alan is back with Drobo. Remember them? I remember them. I haven't, I haven't heard from Drobo in a while. Uh, you know, I mean, they make stuff. They do. Um, generally, you know, it's just a 
box, stick a bunch of discs in it, regardless of their capacities, and it tries to throw them all into an available storage pool of which you create a volume and then, uh, you know, just kind of throw your files in there willy-nilly, however you like, and mm-hmm. you kind of like set it and forget it. It's probably the closest thing to a set it and forget it uh, array type of thing that exists. Um where there's, you know, very few steps to get it up and running. And then once it is up and running, you can kind of stick it off in the in the corner and don't even necessarily need to monitor it. There is software you can install that monitors it and lets you know if a disk failed software-wise, but it's not necessary. You can just go by the lights right on the front of the thing while it's running and, mm-hmm. you know, gives you a red light if a drive's failed and uh, et cetera, that sort of thing. Pretty seamless uh, technique of which they have not changed one bit in the past nine years. Yeah, yeah, because I haven't, I haven't had it. I had a, the first couple Drobos I had. Yeah. Uh, the old, like, uh, USB 2.0, you know, original model. Mm-hmm. And uh, it looks, this one's just wider. And, of course, the big upgrade is Thunderbolt 3. Yes. So uh, this one, they're, they're, when the marketing guys were talking to me, they were like, okay, look, this is, like, meant to be the successor to the Drobo Pro, even though there have been other 8-bay Drobos that have come out since. Drobo Pro was the first 8-bay model to come out. Uh, this one looks almost identical to it. I mean, it's a little bit more modern look to it. But mm-hmm. other than that, it's basically the same form factor. Where's the picture of the front? There it is. Yep. Okay. Um, you know, they redesigned the front cover, but once you take that cover off, it looks exactly the same as the old Drobo Pro, which is nine years old. Um, no real need to change the formula either mm-hmm. is the thing, right? If, if it ain't broke, uh, include up, into, up to and including their whole technique of how they the discs together uh and and whatnot right yeah. but although we were talking about this when you were reviewing this uh i mean to a degree yes no need to change the formula but right on, on the other hand a lot of nas devices you know using interf- now this is a a, a das direct, direct attached, attached yes but a lot of nases if you get them to 10 gigabit uh networking they offer this sort of the drobo magic which is mix and match drive sizes like synology has synology hybrid raid qnap has something similar yep um so they maybe do. There is a reason to maybe try to improve that. There's, there's one. Now I might be wrong here, but there's one failover thing that I really like that Drobo has always done, as far as I know, mm-hmm. and that is since the storage is is thinly provisioned, meaning it'll generally give you a volume size that defaults to something larger than what you could possibly have even installed in it. Uh, usually, usually. Or just historically, that limit has always just been like the maximum of that their file system can manage it for that generation of Drobo. Yeah. Right. Uh, they've revised that over time. Um, the Drobo Pro, the original one, and I think all the way back to your Drobo, your first Drobo, mm-hmm. uh, the default volume size was 16 terabytes, which at the time, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. 16 terabytes. Holy crap. Right. Like you're never going to uh, fill that thing up. Uh, <laughs> boy, were we. Well, I couldn't afford know. the drive. I don't think the drives existed to reach that capacity. Right. You couldn't <laughs> even install enough to do that yeah. at the time. Right. Uh, that has since, you know, revised and over revisions all the way up to this particular revision. Now the maximum, uh, or just the default volume size, I believe is 128 terabytes mm-hmm. and the maximum storage pool, because you can have multiple volumes on the pool of drives, uh, max pool size is 256 terabytes. Yeah. I realize those are, uh, power of two terabytes, not power of 10. So it's actually an even higher number. Wow than as if you just had terabytes adding up, your hard drives adding up to uh, 256 terabytes, mm-hmm. you could actually 
go more than that hard drive space wise like as far as how the, that math works yeah. right of course it causes your like if we connected this to a mac to test uh because even though it works with pcs it's it it's doesn't a, work with this one. this one does not work huh. with pcs okay. this one does not nope. work with some PCs. of their models work with PCs. so yeah we, we were testing this on on um uh 2018 macbook and the one issue is volume size reported by the os is always different from what you see in the drobo manager yeah and that can really that can get I mean, like you're saying, you're you're ways away from hitting that limit, and right. you'd have to upgrade the hard drive capacity anyway. But if you were theoretically at that point when 20 terabyte drives are out or whatever, right, that could get a little sticky. So circling back to what got me down that tangent was, since the volumes are provisioned separate from the storage pool, uh, the, the metric for you knowing you've run out of space, because clearly if you just put a couple of hard drives in this and make a volume, it's going to be 128 terabytes. Mm-hmm. You don't have that much storage in it, right? Uh the way that you know you've run out of space is either by having the app installed and seeing what you know how much space is left. I believe it even gives you warnings once you get up to like the ten percent left and five percent left points. But it actually starts to slow down the writes. Uh huh. It does it on purpose to the point where you can, you know, it's like you can never get to the end. Yeah. Right. Something's wrong here, buddy. Yeah. Hello. You would you would start to understand. Oh wait, something's up here. Like why are my writes so slow? And then you go, then you check on it and. Oh, right. And there's actually uh, blue LEDs along the right edge of the front of the Drobo that indicate the actual capacity filled of the pool. Mm-hmm. Right. So you can just uh, the, glance the rare over. Xeno array. Yeah. You can just, you know, you just glance over at the thing and see, oh, yeah, it's full. I need to do something. Right. Yeah. Um, and because it's direct attached, it's going to be within eyesight of your computer, probably. Yes, probably. Not in a closet or something. But uh, due to the way that whole provisioning thing works, if you did have a drive failure, and you were way over on how much installed space you had versus how much you were actually using. Uh, and remember that Drobo pays attention to what's actually on the partition. It looks inside the partition in the volume that, that's on it, mm-hmm. and it knows how much you have actually written to it, not just, I have a 128-terabyte partition, I need that much space worth of drives to do it, right? Uh, so if you have a drive fail, as long as there's enough remaining space to absorb that and still have uh, an extra drive for redundancy, it'll just do it on its own. Mm-hmm. Seamlessly, in the background, with no user interaction at all. Uh, and then, once that's done, and it's back to a green state, now with a failed drive sitting in it, but that drive's not being used anymore, you can even have another drive fail. Basically, that can just you can have a cascade failure for as long as you have enough space to hold your stuff. Nice. Right? Um which is good for those that uh, say you have a family member that you know is, you know, it's like the check engine light thing with your significant other, whoever you may be. You're, you know, one person's the car person. The other person's the one that lets the check engine light stay on for like a month before they let the other guy know. Mm-hmm. Right. And that sort of thing. Well, if you have a family member that's like that, that you want to just be able to set this thing, forget it. And then even if they don't pay attention, the stuff's probably safe. Yeah. Right. I mean, that, that's where they got popular early on with like photographers and stuff like that. People who were needed a lot of storage but weren't otherwise technically savvy where they weren't going to roll their own NAS yes. or roll their own direct attached array. Yes. And and that, that kind of really plays into that, that simple, you know, and it is, it is fairly bulletproof and robust. It's the same, like the, these techniques have not changed. There is a set of batteries inside this thing. It has a, you know, battery backup for its memory and whatnot. Like if power goes out in the middle of, it trying to figure out that a hard drive just failed and oh and you were writing some stuff to it if all that's going on which is the kind of things i tested on the original drobo pro like i was i was just 
being mean to that thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was like, okay, worst case scenario, let me pull a drive while there's a right going on. Oh, now I'm going to pull the power plug right in the middle of it, trying to figure it out. Plug it back in. It might have taken it five minutes to figure out what the heck happened. Mm-hmm. But what did Alan do it, now? But it came right back and the data was still there, right? Sure. Granted, still treat it like it's a black box. You should have a backup on something else. You know, it's nothing is uh, immune to failure. I believe the original Drobo's got some flack from some photographers because the, the Drobo itself failed. And then they said, oh, my dad is held hostage now because I have to buy another Drobo yeah. to get it back. Well, if you only had one copy on that thing, I'm sorry. That's just that's just how that works. Right. It's any NAS that happens. Any NAS. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the I mean, only not, way, not any. I mean, you, there are most some, of them. Yeah. If, unless you're doing any NAS that's a, using this sort of hybrid mix and match. Yes. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Or anything. With, I, uh, if you know exactly what you're doing and have built one, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. If you don't yes. know what you're doing. You just buy in a device. Well, yeah, they all do that. Right. 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 Yeah. So um, easy so, to use and, and easy to robust, use. But yep. how's performance? Yeah, that's the thing. The previous ones usually the performance is the you know the the minus. Um, they have finally broken one gig per second throughput. Mm-hmm. So they need eight hard drives to do it. Uh, I mean, I think it'll, <laughs> I think it'll break it with fewer. We didn't test it, but like, you know, I mean, it should be reasonably fast. If it was able to do 1.1 gig per second, uh, now granted that was reads. Mm-hmm. The write speed was around 400 meg per second. 450 ish. Uh, yeah, yeah. actually that, that chart's a good example of, uh, the, the complications of testing a Drobo. Because they even made their own tool to try to make it easier on reviewers that insisted on running some sort of tool to run, to, to benchmark this thing. Because, especially on Mac, if you use the Blackmagic disk speed test, it's just not giving you the numbers that it's actually going to do in reality. Yeah. Even their own tool, we just kind of ran it with defaults to see what it gave us. And it was, it was closer to reality. But then, you know, when, when Jim busted out a stopwatch and a 32 gigabyte test file and actually did copies to and from the Drobo, then you saw the speeds it actually goes much, at. Like much better actually. And that was like a, that was a sequential single large file yeah. copy. Take a big file, dump it on the Drobo yeah. and then, uh, you know, reboot the system. So it's not cached and then take a, the Which, same large but, file and read it back. And that's, Probably what you want to use this for. You don't want to like put some VMs on it and run, you know, use it as your. Yeah, I mean, you would if it was fast. Well, well it's supposed to right. be able to handle. <laughs> but right. here in reality, like, <laughs> it's a, it's supposed to be able to handle random reasonably. I wouldn't trust it to handle random writes, you know, in at some insanely fast speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, there is if you well, there is that uh, hot data cache drive, the accelerator bay. Yeah, uh, which is now a two and a half inch SATA drive bay at the back. It used to be M SATA, like in a little door on the bottom. So now it's just a, it's like an SD card slot, but for but for a SATA hard drive, yeah, or a SATA SSD, right? Um, you plug an SSD in there, it'll use it as a read only sort of cache. It's a cache. It's hot data. It'll it'll actually pay attention to uh, the things that you're frequently randomly accessing on the hard disks. And it'll take an extra copy and it'll put it on that drive. Sure. Um, now, granted, this is only one SATA drive. It's not going to give you 1.1 gig per second. Mm-hmm. It's only going to give you 500 meg per second. But it could do something, up, you know, it can do uh, a few hundred meg per second worth of a random performance. Yeah. Which the hard disks are just not going to come anywhere near. Sure. Right? So it'll help you there. Um, but any, But again, anything that's written, it's not going to put it on that cache drive because there's only one drive there what if that fails 
right? It's not going to stick it there first. It's going to put it on the hard disks first. Yeah. It might put an extra copy on that SSD, but it has to put it on the hard disk. So that's going to be your limit on random writes. So if you're trying to, if you have a VM on this and you're trying to install the OS in the VM, that's going to go slow. That sort of thing. Um, How yeah, about just, price? Yeah, that's the other thing. Price is high. Now, I didn't look up the the price of the wait, original. Wait, are you saying Drobo makes high-priced products? <laughs> high so here's price the thing. Yeah. Slow here's the thing, Josh. Direct uh, attached storage. Here's the thing. Drobo has had direct attached storage devices like the 5C that you can buy for like 300 bucks. That's a 5-bay Drobo, 300 bucks. Compared to this, 1300 bucks. Yeah. So you're without going, drives. Without drives. So if you want an accelerator bay, faster interface and three extra Hard drive base. That's the price you have to pay from Drobo. Uh, it's kind of steep, but it is lower than like what the other eight bay like enterprisey kind of models are, or well launched at, which was seven. How, how do you compare this to Synology? That they're they're like one of the bigger ones as well. well. Synology doesn't make direct attached storage devices. Synology makes uh, NASs. They make eSATA ones, yeah. Well, uh, nothing really has ESAT anymore. I mean, yeah. yeah. So comparing this to Synology, Synology is way more flexible in the NAS form because you've got all those different apps you can have on it. Now, granted, Drobo has apps too, but only on their network-connected devices, of which this is not one. So it's not even really an equal comparison if you're trying to put it up against Synology. Synology really, as long as you're okay with it being network-attached... Uh, Synology is just going to walk all over this, except for maybe some of the the way that it handles its array, the, the, that voodoo. Um, that they do. That they do. Is there yeah. any security on it whatsoever, or is it grab it, walk away, and plug it in somewhere else? On this one? Yeah. Well, as long as the other thing you, there's something else you plug it into is a Mac with Thunderbolt. You Not could Fondle. probably enable full disk encryption on that volume. Uh, if you do that, you will I mean, break it'd be software. Actually, I don't think. No, I think you'd break some serious you'd, you'd stuff. Break, there. You'd break its ability to know what files were stored, yeah. or what the capacity uh, used was. Um, especially uh, they should have put the encryption key in the firmware. Especially <laughs> when your full disk encryption thing tried to write 128 terabytes to a thing that only had a, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah, fair That's, point. I just I don't understand the market for this. Yeah. It's a it's an eight bay direct attached storage device that only yeah. works with Macs that is not fast enough for modern video editing. Yeah. I mean, you look but at, it comes with a Mac. So price. what do you do with yeah, it? There, there's, there's, what are you putting on it? It's archive. It's like, the world's best time machine drive. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh God. It's where it's where you have this insane amount of media that you've you've processed. You just need to dump it on something. You dump it on this. It's a thing. It's a black box that can deal with hard drive failures gracefully. You know, that's and, about, and, you know, that's looking about at the it. price too. You look at another another product that's similar. It's sort of it's a Mac focused company that does direct attached storage. Is Promise, and they have yep. the uh, the R series of multi bay yeah. RAID enclosures. Uh, they don't have the magic of the mix and match your drives. Yes, they have to be pretty much the same size but, drives. Yeah, but they they're Thunderbolt three. Uh, yep. uh and they now they they're fast. I've got a four bay one there that was beating this in performance. And that was a Thunderbolt 2 device. Yeah, well, it was Thunderbolt 2, 3 yeah. to 3. Uh, uh, oh, those but are, it was still limited to the bandwidth of Thunderbolt yeah, yeah. 2. Those are fast. I mean, heck, we used a 4-bay, uh, one of those a same style. Gen, yeah. Uh, yeah, with, uh, for the, um, what was it, for the, 
Weren't we capturing You're directly capturing... to it with the frame rating stuff? Yes. Yeah. That was and with four SATA two SSDs in it. Yep. Yeah. And those, uh, those just, four Corsair SSDs. And the, the, but the price on those, pro, I don't know off the top of my head, but they're, they're, they're in this range. They're not cheap. They, they're diskless. You know, they, they do ship some that come pre-configured, but yeah. the ones I used to buy were diskless and very expensive. Uh, so not unreasonable in that but, context. But they're at least fast. Right. But <laughs> yeah. fast. Like you're paying more for the speed. Yeah, but yes. you do, Whereas you, this is just... You, unless you're going to run a JBOD or figure some yeah. individual drive access, which they do let you do, which is also kind of handy, yeah. if you want to raid, um, you got to use the same drives. Yeah. Sizes. Uh, but, so. but like think about kind of the alternate use case in a world where apple's actually shipping a lot of 10 gig nicks in their devices right you could get a five or six space synology with 10 gig capability in it for under a thousand bucks oh yeah like that and it would we, walk all over this that thing. uh that d sixteen eighteen we just reviewed that yeah. synology it's a six bay i think and yeah i think, I think it's so seven hundred dollars yeah yeah. Um and, and it doesn't come with a ten gig. You gotta buy the sure. so it's an extra hundred, hundred and fifty dollars, but that's fully capable of, of doing that. Well like I, I, I wanna like these products because I am a Mac user and like I like the simplicity of the Beyond Raid stuff and just like knowing it's kind of very redundant and it can survive drive failures and power outages and stuff, but like it's just too even even as someone who bought a stupid overpriced MacBook, it's just too expensive for what right. they're Giving. But to a person like you, I would just say, well, if you still want the Drobo stuff, 5C. Sure. 300 bucks. Mm-hmm. Sure. Right? It did well. It did like, I think, 350 meg per second reads and writes. But at some point, yeah. like, just buy two 5Cs, I guess. Right? Yeah. They're <laughs> half the price. Like, what, what's and you got, what's yeah, the disadvantage to that? Yeah. yeah. Is there one? If the man has separate volumes. That's, but like yeah, you uh, already yeah. have to do that if you hit 128 terabytes on this eight bay anyways, yeah. which would be yeah. fairly easy with modern the, drives. I think the 5C's limit is 64 yeah, terabytes. Although they might have firmware updated that and expanded it to 128, I'm not sure. Um, another thing to know if you're getting one of these, you should probably just migrate. Like, don't take the disk pack out of the old one and put it in this one, even though supposedly that's there's like a short list of prior Drobos that that's supported on. The catch is the volume size remains whatever it was on oh, the previous yeah. device. Oh, mm-hmm. and if you're going from a five to an eight. Probably the drives are old enough to be aged out That's anyway. The thing. Yeah, it's probably aged out. Even, but if you wanted to reuse them, fine. But buy the <sighs> buy the larger drives that you're going to put in the new one. Hook it up at the same time as the old one. Copy all your stuff over with this larger volume on the new discs. And then if you want, decommission the old one. You know, you can. Er, there's an erase command you can set that actually you actually make you type in erase. Like if you're trying to reset, they mm-hmm. just call it resetting the Drobo, but it's like it really wipes everything. Um, you could do that, and then once it reboot, once it starts rebooting, you just shut that old Drobo down. Those drives are now empty and not associated with the Drobo, and then you can pull them, stick them in the new one, and you can like if you wanted to add, I don't know why you'd want to add, you know, three or four year old hard disks to your brand new, probably two or three x the capacity, you know, newer disks that's mm-hmm. in your fancy new Drobo. But hey, yeah, you know, sure. if you wanted to, I, I, like. Uh, I imagine a, a decent chunk of the cost of this device is putting two Thunderbolt 3 controllers in it because it can do daisy chaining. Yes. I just don't understand why it's Thunderbolt. Why doesn't it have a USB 3.1 controller two instead? Thunderbolt 3 40 gigabit yeah. controllers in it. That only do 20 watt. It only it does power delivery of, what, 20 15, watts? 15. It was 15. Which is worthless. Yeah, like, that was, why that is this Thunderbolt besides yeah. being easier to market towards Mac users? Yeah. USB 3.1 Gen 2 would work literally just as well in 
probably cost less than two Thunderbolt controllers. That's true. I don't know why they... There must have been some reason. But maybe they were worried about the internal power supply having to supply eight fast hard disks, the SATA SSD, and how much more do we have left over with the margin. You know, I just wish they would have beefed up that power supply a little bit and just maybe overcome that. Made it like... I mean, 30 watts would have been... But I mean, if you're gonna, uh, something, something like, like this, that. though, and that, I mean, it's a big box. It is heavy, yeah. and it is, I mean, it's a giant size. We should, probably should have put something for scale in these photos, but if you could have that and say, well, okay, well, this is my docking station for my MacBook, and I come home and I right. plug it in, and I can power it and maybe and pass through my monitor and everything. goes right through, yeah. Uh, that's one thing, but to not have that, to have, okay, it's 15 watts, well, great. What, what good does that do? Any, what yeah. Thunderbolt device are you going to plug into this that's going to benefit from 15 watts other than maybe the MacBook Air? So, in, a, in other words, it could have saved you from having to purchase a hub. I guess, yeah. yeah. But it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't have the one cable solution, so the daisy chaining becomes even less valuable. Yeah. Because yeah. Apple doesn't sell a Mac with only one Thunderbolt port on it. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Is, <laughs> is there any Mac solution for having high-density storage like this? You know, a redundant high-drive spindle count? Those promise direct, arrays. Direct-attached? Yeah, direct or internal. I mean, all of the same solutions as Windows, really. Right? Yeah. Like, which, and, and so, uh, again, yeah. are few and far between. And, but, and just to reiterate, not Windows compatible, but that, they say so, it's coming? And well, they <sighs> said it was coming with the last Drobo that was Thunderbolt enabled, mm-hmm. which was the 5DT or something, I think. Yeah, it was, something like mm-hmm. that. Something like that. It had Thunderbolt. It You know, you could plug it into a Windows... PC and it would it would show up but without a driver and they kept promising that a driver was coming and then it kind of never came with that one so I yeah. really would need to see it before I believed at this okay. time right? sure. so there's only once right so what's the deal with the driver here because I mean it it says it's for OS 10 12 plus or something um, yeah there's not a standard for block devices over Thunderbolt or- it's not it's actually enumerating the like actual controller directly yeah so you I mean, get, it's just it's pci express so you need yeah. a pci a driver for the pci express storage controller yeah oh so it's not like exporting ones it's just a no direct yeah, yeah it's direct block yes okay that's yeah. weird so yeah you need a you need a custom driver and a proprietary driver stack to actually have it work at all yes yeah so under windows it would just show awesome. up as a device with question mark and device manager and mm-hmm. you know Probably Drobo something or another, or Thunder something Thunderbolt controller, or you know, usually it's Thunderbolt controller. You see, not even the things behind it. Mm-hmm. So you need whatever their special driver is to, you know, address that properly. And anyway, should probably stop belaboring this point because yeah, we've got a lot yeah, to yeah, talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's the Drobo. We're, we're um, Droboing on a bit. Yeah. This it's is just a philosophical discussion. It's the 8D. It's thirteen hundred dollars. Uh, if you need it, you know you need it. But there are other. Perhaps better options out there. Yep. All right. Uh, so uh, let's give Alan another chance to ramble here. We've got the Samsung 86 QVO. 860. This won't be controversial at all either. Yeah, Not no. either. Is it QVO or QVO? I, or Q- I've, been, I've, been, QVO? I've been calling it the Quivo. Quivo. Good. Yeah. Quivo? No. Yep. <laughs> Wait, Josh says no. no? Josh is going to step in here? It's deliciously awful. <laughs> Yeah. I think I think they want the Q to stand for quality or something, but it really is like it's like quality value optimized. I yeah, think is the stupid. But mark. it's really it's just yeah. the Q is for Q 
QLC. So the Q is their thing now because, as you know, uh, Q looks a lot like O in the store. So QLED TVs. Which, uh, yes. oh, I talked to yet true. another okay. person the the other day who was like, "What's the, what's the difference anyway?" I'm like, "Really? One's LCD. What? It is? I'm like, that's a Q. It's not an O. Oh, I didn't realize that. I've never. Sebastian Samsung, P. Mark the size and O just looks like a discless Q. Hey, you know what? And here the we bad go. Thing now, is the other about SSDs Q. have a Q too. Yeah. Is is that uh, in the medical field, a positive Q sign is this. <laughs> that 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 means you're dead. It, so you got the O there and the tongue oh, out. Gotcha. Right. That's the positive yeah. Q sign. Maybe so that, these that didn't drives translate to Korea already yes. come out of the box. Okay. Anyway, Josh, for our, for our audio only listeners, could you please recreate that facial expression? No. <laughs> okay. Right. In, in prose, how about in in a haiku? Josh tongue is bad. It sticks outside <laughs> his head. That's what she said. Dead. 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 That's what she said. There you All go. All right. So it's a two and a half inch SATA drive. Uh, two and, and a half inch SATA drives. Yeah. Uh, they sent us a one terabyte and a four terabyte. All right. They are using QLC, not TLC, flash memory, uh, with an SLC cache ahead of it. Now, if this sounds familiar, uh, the Intel 660P and, and, and uh, Crucial P1. Both do that as well, but they're doing it NVMe only. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is so the, these are the first uh, serial ATA QLC SSDs we're seeing. Um, they do the same sort of intelligent turbo write thing that they did back on the Evo, uh, you know, where they try to give you some more above a static amount of SLC cache. It's a, there's a little bit of dynamic in there. Um, thing that caught my eye here was the. QDepth one random read performance, even spec'd, is only 7,500 IOPS. Now, this is something that's usually like 10K or up on anything else. Uh, Samsung's actually, I believe, the first company to ever spec at QD1, where mm-hmm. you had everybody else was caught in that megapixel race of, oh, we want the highest possible QDepth because we want the maximum IOPS and everything. But, you know, as we've done lots of testing on, uh, most of your desktop time is operating at the SSDs operating at Q depth one. Yeah. Maybe two, some of the time, but it's like 80% or higher Q depth one. Um, so to see a low number there on reads, that's not good. Even if you're trying to use this as like a steam game drive, that might actually be enough to get a noticeable performance hit trying to load games off of this thing. Um, so just something to note, uh, and then moving on, uh, the, <laughs> Those are empty enclosures. Yes, the trademark empty uh, Samsung SSDs. Uh, I mean, even the 860 bag of chips. Yeah, I mean, what's funny is notice how, if you look between that picture and the next one, uh, there's only one flash package on the one terabyte model because uh, there's there's one on the front, but there's none on the back. And then on the four terabyte model, there are two on the front and two on the back. So these these packages, I mean, they're just a terabyte worth of this QLC. Dense. Yeah. And I got to, I got to admit, that is just amazing. Yeah. Two years ago, those would be what? 512 tops? Right. Something like that. Yeah. So, um, I mean, even as is, without stacking any more dies in a package, they could easily make an 8 terabyte, obviously, since there's a... There's one there with half of the half of the die spots, mm-hmm. you know, blank, right? Um, 
so here we go with this uh, this random read, which we weigh uh, we weigh these results to make them simpler. So there's not a, a just a bunch of numbers to look at. There's already enough numbers as it is. Um, but uh, there you go. A one terabyte model scored seventy two hundred. You know, seventy two hundred, seventy three hundred. Four terabyte model scored around seventy nine hundred. This is on the reads, which is again weighed more towards the lower Q deaths. Yeah. So. Those scores are pretty low, even if you compare it against an 860 Evo. Right. Like it's, it's, which is it's misleading because these are the M.2 and the NVMe drives down well, here. Right? But notice there's not really a lot of difference there in those scores. Mm-hmm. So if you like 860 Evo, an MX500, a, a P1, a 660P, 660P was a little bit higher. But like, you know, those first four that I just rattled off there, they're all within a, just a couple of percent of each other on the read performance. Yeah. Uh, even though I'm go, I'm, I just labeled, you know, I just named two SATA drives and then two NVMe drives, right? Uh, QDepth one and and two kind of performance NVMe doesn't necessarily give you this big huge advantage there mm-hmm. uh, because you're waiting on the flash. Mm-hmm. You're not really waiting on the interface at those low QDepths. Um, and apparently, when it comes to waiting on the flash for these uh, QVO drives, it's things are taking like twice as long. Um, I don't normally include this chart, but the next chart down uh, is just looking at QDF 1, 2, and 4 for that. The whole other group is pretty much in a tight cluster, uh, you know, kind of a tight band on that chart. And then there's just this, you know, half inch lower on the chart is the two QVO drives. Mm-hmm. At all, you know, it's it's not, it doesn't even try to pass them at a different QDF. There's not even a, you know, it's like it's on track to do better later maybe. No, it's just... You know, everything is a step slower than all of the other competing drives. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, don't expect these to be very responsive feeling. Like that term that always gets thrown around for Optane things where Optane increases the responsiveness. These are going to make your responsiveness feel less so compared to even other NAND-based uh, SSDs. Um, sequential, not bad. You know, it's kind of as as expected. The one terabyte was a little bit on the low side, but you know, wasn't wasn't horrible. Um, mixed burst test actually not that bad either. Although this test is uh, was built around game level load type things, where the the level load was more of a sequential workload than random. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that means that that the low Q depth random thing I was talking about earlier doesn't really hit them that hard uh, in that particular chart. And then the trim testing, yeah, nothing, nothing to write home about. Like these drives don't really see any kind of impact from trim. There was the MX500 that was the one that was known to have kind of like a, you know, wasn't doing great at the trim thing. But um, I don't know. I know they came out with another firmware. Somebody was talking about this in the comments in the article. I don't know if uh, the firmware that they released since then addressed that issue, but I don't believe it did. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so. Uh, cache test. This got confusing. Uh, the one terabyte model had to work a little bit hard the first time we hit it with 60 seconds worth of writes. Now, this is actually the second time we hit it with 60 seconds worth of writes because there's like a precondition that happens before this test even happens. But then, and then we wait uh, 10 minutes. We just let the drive sit there for 10 minutes. And then we hit it again with a write. And for some reason, that first pass... It went fast for, 
around six gigabytes, which is the static cache size for the drive. But then it fell down to its 80 megabyte per second QLC speed. Now, for some reason, on every subsequent pass, of which there were seven more of them, one minute apiece, it had no problem writing 25 gig, which is basically full speed writes for 60 seconds. Um, Why it behaved that particular way, I'm not sure. Uh, Presumably there was, you know, it kind of like woke up to the fact that, oh, wait, there's some stuff going on where I should maybe open up... um, open up some of my uh, QLC space and try to turn more of it into SLC so that I can have a, bi- a bigger dynamic cache. Maybe. I'm not really sure. But then if you go down to the 4 terabyte model, that didn't happen. Uh, that one was basically acting like only a 6 gigabyte static cache, which never really grew anymore. You'd, you'd give it some time to idle, it would empty that cache, and then you know, you'd go to write to it again and you'd only get another 6 gig. Mm-hmm. And this test is run with the drive only half full. So this was four terabyte SSD, only half full. There's really no excuse for it to not have more than six gig of available SLC cache. You know, it has the ability to to grow that number upwards of, I'm trying to remember what the number was for the four terabyte. They're claiming like the total cache size maximum is like 78 gig. It should have been able to do that, even if it was half full, mm-hmm. since it was four terabytes. Uh but it didn't. So th- this kind of stuff is probably down to like tuning firmware and maybe the one capacity to just kind of like optimize differently than the, the other capacity. Sure. Uh, no real way to know. Maybe they'll see these results and, uh, you know, they've done it before. They've seen re- results in our reviews and then kind of optimized later on. Samsung usually does it silently. They don't usually tell me when they do it. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Um, they want to keep your ego in check. Uh, I, I, I guess. Um the endurance numbers are lower than an Evo, but they're still okay if you're just doing normal stuff with this drive. Um, you know, I mean, 360 terabytes written to a one terabyte SSD, you'd have to fill the drive empty to full 360 times, right? Like it's, you know, I mean, that's actually good given mm-hmm. that it's, it's a quad level cell uh, flash. Um, Three-year warranty. The pricing is odd because you can currently buy Evos for lower than these 15 cent per gig MSRPs. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I've seen that. I wasn't sure if that was like Black Friday pricing or what, but I've definitely seen the Evos coming under these. Yes, yeah. but the Evos MSRP is not 15 cents a gig. Gotcha. Right, the Evos MSRP is like 20 something, mm-hmm. like low 30s or something like that. So to see Samsung have an MSRP, which is presumably the the, the highest price you should see them, right? Um that's impressive from them, and it should indicate that they're going to be probably closer to ten cents a gig. Where's Ryan? He's not here. You're bad. We finally got there, and he's not around for it. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, you know, for them to move, other than you know, if not, people are just going to buy Evos anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this this should kind of open the door. Now, when we've seen some drives hit that ten cents a gig mark, like the Micron, that like black label Micron drive, and there was a couple the, more. The eleven uh, hundred does it. Which this, is a straight there TLC were there drive. were several deals in the past couple of days that yeah, hit ten cents, but they they all seem to be you know not in Micron's case, but in, in Micron's case, it was this particular drive that seemed kind of sketchy. And then there were other companies that were, you know, lesser named companies that may not have the, the quality behind I, them. I wouldn't say that's the case anymore with the sales that we we've, okay. we've seen over Black yeah. Friday. I mean, you're talking ten, eleven, twelve cents a gig for Samsung and Crucial, like 
mainline crucial drives. Okay. Like, yep. it's it's gotten there. Yeah, like MX five hundred. It just took Ryan quitting to uh, actually get yeah. there. Ryan had, Ryan had to go work somewhere else for us to have 10 cents. I, I guess my point is, uh, uh, so we, we've looked like, for example, that Micron drive that we put as the cache drive for our Steam mm-hmm. cache. Mm-hmm. Would you, at, at 10 cents a gig, with this drive with its issues, would you choose that over like one of those drives? At 10 cents a gig, I would probably uh, be and looking. For Steam, why not? Yeah, I would be looking past those issues, uh, except for if I was that worried about like the responsiveness thing. Mm-hmm. Like if I was not just a gamer, but a gamer that cares about every possible half second loading a part of a game, yeah. right? Um, then I start caring about it. But really, I mean, once you're getting that low, and the well, other you could always I mean, slap an Optane on this thing, right? Uh, to cash it, yeah, yeah, you could. <laughs> mm. um, hmm. uh, yeah. Hmm. yeah, I mean. Hmm. But the things that confuse me here is, like, as an example, the reason that that uh, 660p in the random read chart got such a higher score compared to even the P1, which is based on the same exact platform, right? It's it's the same controller, the same DRAM even, the same IMFT flash. All those things were the same. The only difference was Intel uh, just optimized how they did their caching differently, so they, when we did that test on that drive, it was reading more of that data from the SLC cache. Mm-hmm. It was aggressive about keeping it in the cache if it could and not sticking it on the QLC, right? Uh, what I was surprised to not see Samsung doing is, like, that test is written and, and behaves in such a way where if a drive could stick it in the cache, like, it's giving it the best possible chance to. And I would imagine Samsung can read from their QLC flash in SLC mode probably faster than 7500 IOPS. Just wasn't happening. Yeah. I even went back through, I mean, all of these tests is a cu- accumulation of multiple passes that run with the drive at different amounts of fill and everything else. I even went back through the individual results across that whole drive and it never like beat 7500 across empty or full. It didn't mm-hmm. care. Um so it's just kind of disappointing and it's almost I almost feel like they rushed it like too much i don't know so maybe there could be firmware optimizations later but samsung tends to not do that they usually only do firmwares to fix bugs Mm -hmm. sort of thing they don't usually there's almost i don't think i've ever seen you know performance increase aside from when there was a bug that reduced performance (laughs) well maybe (laughs) that's the case here maybe this is this is at a fundamental level some sort of bug perhaps or it's just this is the corner they had to cut in order to uh, push out, you know, four, you know, four bit or sell mm-hmm. this quickly. Yeah, uh, no way to tell. So you're saying that they they would essentially need a more specific controller to get better performance due to the limitations of QLC. I mean, I mean, maybe. Flash. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the drive this new. It's not like, it's not like that. Uh, performance hit would be coming from, you know, having to do more error correction during the reads. Probably not. Um, maybe it's a trade-off for them to get endurance as high as they got it, given that it's a QLC SSD, because those endurance numbers are relatively high for for what it is. It's you know, because in, in theory, I mean, you got SLC, MLC, TLC, and each one the endurance goes down dramatically yeah. just because of the physical characteristics of 
of the Flash. Yeah, and you would you would expect that the, the same kind of degradation of physical characteristics that you can only be switched so many thousands of times. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, the, the number of times you're switching it, you have to reduce it just because you can't accurately read that many states anymore. So, like, you know, in other words, you can take... Yeah, I mean, you've added right. complexity to the equation, and any kind of material degradation is going to have a pretty dramatic effect because you're not reading this as just simply on and off. It's now... You're on 16 you're different slightly states. on you're almost <laughs> off and then you're really off. I mean, you're taking, you're taking a piece of silicon, you're pumping electrons into it enough so that there's 16 different in, independent states, like um, amounts of fill of a very small, you know, like probably on the order of, well, it's 3d. So it's probably like 30 nanometer just a 30 nanometer bucket full of electrons. And you're able to not only fill it to 16 different levels, you're able to actually Read measure it. all those 16 different levels and even compensate for after some of the electrons have leaked out and still be able to rely. It's kind of ludicrous. It, it's, it's, it's pretty insane that just yeah. that this works, right? I mean, yeah. Samsung was reluctant to do it. I don't think there would, this drive would exist if not for Intel and Micron. Launching QLC SSDs, because mm-hmm. um, I, 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 I mean, it was enough to where Samsung didn't even present at Flash Memory Summit last year or earlier this year. Sorry. Uh, so, Alan, are you saying this is a case where competition is bad? No, the competition is good. <laughs> this is, if anything, it's pushing it pushed Samsung but to do this. Us, but it gives us QLC. Yeah. Well, yeah. You want TLC at these well, prices. I mean, the point for QLC, I want, though... I want SLC It's not supposed. Prices. Well, I mean, well, you, you... Slow down. You get SLC if you, you know, only use the cash. I want right. to be able to, it, using Samsung software, decide how much of the drive is SLC and how much of it is QLC. That would Can be, I just make my own cash? Like, that that oh, would be I'll, nice. I'll partition off, like, half the drive as SLC, and I'll use the other for, like... Slower story. So that actually that brings up an interesting point. If you install the Samsung software and you enable Turbo, are you really going to see a speed decrease when it's using like Turbo uses your RAM mm-hmm. as a cache, right? Yeah, as long as you're like as long as you're not using. Well, it still writes it to the drive. Sure, but I, I presume yeah, like, it dumps it out been, at a yeah. more paced. If you're if you're uh, using Rapid, yeah. which is the thing that's in the or Samsung Rapid, software, not Turbo. Uh, I mean, so, you could you could have this drive installed in your system. You could have Rapid installed. Turn it on. As long as you have RAM, you're willing to donate to it. Uh, you know, it should accelerate those. Uh, that's kind of what those. I'm interested in. Interested in like, would you notice a difference between a 860 Evo and 860 QVO if you had that turned on? Maybe you wouldn't. Uh, it's it would be hit or miss. It would just be if it was a if it was a cache hit on the RAM, it would be the same either way. And then if it wasn't, it would just be slower on this. Yeah, you know. It'd be a mixed bag because I don't think it's going to fit the whole game in in your RAM cache. Well, no, but and it's and it's kind of not super intelligent. Rapid is not super intelligent about what it sticks where. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not to the degree of like Optane caching stuff is. Um. Yeah. Anyway, so you know, it's a thing that'll make SSDs cheaper. It's. I would consider it a budget product. You know, don't knock it for uh, 
it not being your your next performance SSD because if you want that, then you need to get an Evo or better. Yeah. Simple as that. 15 cents a gig MSRP is a good place to start. Yeah. Can't really fault it for that. All right. Uh, Next up, we got a motherboard review from Mori. It's the Gigabyte Z390 Aorus Pro. Uh, And this is, uh, they, they, was it last week or relatively recently, they did their whole event where they announced a whole slew of uh, Z390 products. This is like, it's a mid-range board, at least it's priced as a mid-range board, but it's got quite an impressive feature set. Uh, he really liked it. It's it's um, it's got multiple uh, M.2 uh, slots with covers for either aesthetics or cooling or whatever you want to, however you want to uh, weight those. Uh, lots of uh, RGB, a very uh, intuitive interface, uh, and it's a good performer. Uh, he's uh, Maury does incredibly detailed reviews, so uh, this is like eight or nine pages long. Uh, so check that out if you want to read more about it here. But let me uh, jump to the relevant parts here. Uh, or the most interesting parts, I should say. CMOS placement. Yes. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> uh, I think he said it was fine. Um, it is, actually. It's not too bad. It's under the second PCIe slot. Yeah. So you look at uh, at comparing it to the Z370 uh, line, uh, and then obviously stepping up to X299 and X470, uh, it's, it's right where it should be uh, in terms of its performance, cooling, noise, um, no, you know, no major drawbacks really um, uh, for the board. Where was his uh, chart here? Uh, good overclocker, and the pricing is, uh, I think, well, the MSRP, um, or at least the, the the initial street prices were over two hundred. Uh, it's now listed at sites like Newegg for one eighty, uh, and I think Amazon has a version of it too for less than it was like one ninety. Uh, so very good uh, price for that performance. He said the only negative is if you want to control the RGBs, you have to do it in a, a Windows software. There wasn't uh, real real um, good BIOS controls for RGBs. Um, but uh, Which I actually prefer because usually I just want to shut those off and leave them off and not have to install any tools in the OS. Well, then, then yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's your way. How, how, many, how many, honestly, how many desktop Linux users have the whole RGB-itis going on? Probably... I, they have them all at the defaults. So what, what's them a on their desktop system. Linux user? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think it's an Alex. Yeah. Oh, no. It's like, oh, oh, no, it requires Windows software to turn their RGBs off. It, okay. I, I find it convenient to be able to quickly just go in and shut it off or change it. Like It should be in the I'll, I'll be on a system yeah. like, oh, yeah, it's like solid red. I wanted to make it like blue for these pictures or something. Like I try to make the motherboard match the case lights for... <laughs> case photos and it's like I've got to have the software installed in this drive and I switch drives and I've got to download the software. I don't know. It's a nice thing. Yeah. But no, being able to just kill it all is kind of nice. Oh, yeah. I want a physical toggle switch on the motherboard. Yeah, no, it's just hey, that'll be the next thing. Yeah, to- like on that one GPU. Right? Yeah. It yeah. totally needs a jumper. There needs to be a default all RGB off jumper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, for the cases that support like and stuff, like you can just control it through the button on the case, probably. Yeah. That might be software dependent, though. It would be. It's a crazy world out there. We yeah. can use some RGB standards. Uh, but, uh, but you know, he it's said it's kind of nice because, like, you compare this to uh, the 
flagship one from Gigabyte, the Aorus Extreme, as opposed to the Pro. That one's selling at five hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, as an MSRP. Yeah. Now, and to be it's fair though, Gigabyte's Aorus line. There's a lot of products in that lineup, so they really do yeah. uh, spread the gamut. It's you know, like I think that Aorus Pro is an EATX board. Um, this is just ATX. Um, so there's just there's a lot of there, there is a, a lot of range that you can pick from in Gigabyte's lineup, but um, but you know, looking at at what you get with the multiple M.2s, the RGB, if that's your thing, um, it's it's got Intel networking, you know. So you're, you know, I'm not sure how much that matters these days. I've always, if I for some reason, maybe it's no longer important, but I always like to look for that Intel networking chipset. Um, it, that's you get that, um, and for under two hundred dollars, street price. Uh, it's very good, and, and and like all, like all motherboards with chipsets that have lower PCIe lanes, uh, you're gonna have to make some sacrifices. You know, so if you if you want to run your G- GPU that's by 16, then some of the uh, other slots will run slower or not at all. And if you plug in multiple M.2 drives, then some of your USB ports don't work. That stuff's common to all of these boards with with uh, these these lower uh, lower end chipsets, or not lower end, but you know the the desktop class chipsets uh, with limited PCIe. Um, but uh, check out the full review if you're interested. He gives it a gold award uh, and says it, the the pros really outweigh the cons. It's a, it's a good-looking board. So that's the uh, Gigabyte Z390 and, RS Pro. And did you see all the power inputs on that thing on the 12-volt? Uh, it was like yes. 8 yeah. plus 4? Yeah. Yep. It's, yep, there you go. Thinks that's, it's a Threadripper board. That's beefy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, the 9900K. Good overclocking. Yeah. yeah, you need the power these days. Uh, all right. Let's, I think that's it for the review. So a lot of reviews because of that uh, extra week here. But uh, let's jump into the news. And we've got uh, something. You're going to do the ad. I just I need to see the thing. Right okay. There. It's right there on the thing. We do have an ad. We do we? have an ad. All right. Well, that you remembered at the last minute before we went live. No, you just weren't here. I remembered it earlier. But uh, okay. Well, let's take a break for our ad here. Alan, do you like to read? Uh, no. I like to listen. Well, listening's like reading. Yes. Right? And, you know, so Audible is our sponsor this week. And uh, I was looking at my personal Audible account because I've been an Audible member for 15 years, I think. Yeah. I didn't say that just because it's an Audible ad. Like, I legit, like, I, oh, sure, I sure. prefer to listen to audiobooks than reading, <laughs> a, like, a novel or something like that. Uh, and, and why do you <laughs> like that? It. It depends. Like sometimes I like the person that's doing the reading. Like sometimes they'll have the author of the book do the reading or mm-hmm. sometimes they'll have some other notable person that, you know, does a pretty good job of uh, of doing it. Like Ready Player One was one of my favorite. Uh, you know, I own the book. Is, is that uh, Will Wheaton? Uh, Will, Will Wheaton. Yeah. Yeah. I own the book, but I bought the book after I had bought the audiobook mm-hmm. and listened to the audiobook. And it's like I, it was unabridged. Like you read it cover to cover. Yeah. Right. Um yeah, so I just, you know, I just I get a better experience out of that. It helps me kill time in the car when I'm commuting. Well, that's it for right? me. It's like it gives you the chance to read when you can't read yeah. with your eyes. Like if you're driving or uh, doing work around the house or just even playing video games, relaxing, whatever. Yeah. Uh, you, Re- reading books while driving is frowned upon. Not yeah, until we're a few years away from those self-driving cars. At that point, maybe we'll look <laughs> at it again. But until then, yeah, definitely you, 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 you want, I mean, for me at least, I want to read. I want to get these experiences. I can't always do them. When, because my eyes aren't free. Uh, yep. But I, uh, for me, though, I've been, uh, like I said, for 15 years, and I have 450 books in my Audible library. Oof. I was, I was oh, kind of shocked. Uh, I don't have that many. It's, it's, it's crazy, and and it's not, ju- it's not just because, 
uh, I've been that. I don't think it adds up all the months of the credits you get. No, that's only but, like two free per month. But but they do. Um, <laughs> they have sales all the time where you get like three for two or two for one, and so I've okay. stacked it up in that in that sense. Yeah. Um, and so I look. I think about that. Four hundred and fifty books. I think I've finished. I've I've listened to good chunks of all of them for sure, and I've finished the vast majority of them. And that's thousands of hours of knowledge and entertainment that I wouldn't have had if I had to rely on reading with my eyes. It's true. Um, and in terms of what I can listen to, Audible has an incredible selection. They've got sci-fi, fantasy, thrillers, mysteries, auto you know biographies and autobiographies, uh, true crime. Uh, non, a ton of nonfiction, which is actually what most of my library ends up being. I, I do like listening to nonfiction. Uh, and it, it integrates in everything. Audible seems to be on everything. It's, in my, it's built into my car. Uh, I can get it on my phone. I can get it on my laptop. I can listen to it on my Kindle uh, because some of the Kindle devices have Audible built in. So you can uh, listen to the audiobook either on its own or while you read the ebook, uh, which is a really neat, uh, neat feature. And one of the books that uh, I'm listening to right now is interesting. Uh, you know Michael Pollan? No, he's a he's like a science author. He's written a bunch of books on nutrition. Uh, one of the books hmm. was Indefensive Food, The Omnivore's Dilemma. These are like New York Times bestsellers. Uh, you may have heard of them, but he has this new book out called How to Change Your Mind. I guess it came out earlier this year, and it's on psychedelic drugs, and it's really interesting. It's a really incredible. Uh, he talks about LSD and psilocybin, oh, like, like how to actually change your mind. Yeah, well, right, exactly. How to change your mind? Because I had no idea. Um, I've never used these substances uh, to quote the office. No one ever offered me any, uh-huh. <laughs> but, but it, uh, it, the, they have an incredible history. So this book is, is, is it's part history book. It's part science. It's part health and mental health. Uh, and he, he narrates it too. He does a really good job. I'd, I'd never listened to any of his other uh, books before. So listening to him narrate it is pretty interesting. And he takes you through the history of these drugs, how they came about in the labs, how the counterculture of the 60s kind of took them, how scientists back then were doing really amazing work in, in terms of using these substances for treating mental health problems, treating mm-hmm. Vietnam soldiers who had PTSD, um, tr- treating people with schizophrenia. And obviously yeah, stop worrying about stuff when you get high, apparently. Well, it's not even, it's not that apparently there's like something about it that just, it, without, again, without having experience, I don't know how your, to describe it. Your chemistry and how but you deal with things. he goes through this yeah. scientifically and it's, it's, I mean, it's incredibly fascinating. I listened to it over the course, it's like 20 hours. I listened to it over the course of two days, maybe two and a half. Um, couldn't put it down really, or couldn't take the headphones out. I'm going to have to check that one out. It's really, really interesting. And uh, it, it's, especially if, if you're, a square like me who doesn't have any other insight into this other than what the the mainstream sort of uh, moral crisis, you know, oh, the think of the children angle. Yeah. Um, and, and it's actually funny because it, early on in the book, he interviews a guy uh, who is sort of like a 60s hippie type, like, you know, traditionally like, oh, man, they expand your mind. You go to a different dimension. Right. And I'm thinking, oh, OK, because this is still in the book. I'm like, this is going to be one of those. Uh-huh. And he interviews him. But then after the interview is over, he even says it to the in the narration. Yeah, that guy was kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't mean there's no benefit here because there right. is scientific. Uh, there's cause for for really good scientific research in this field that unfortunately our politics, and our society haven't caught up with. Mm-hmm. And he lays out a really convincing case, including trying them himself yeah. and reporting his experiences. Um, and so that's just one kind of book where. It was recommended to me through the Audible recommendation system. When you have your account, uh, checked it out. I was able to listen to a sample, make sure I liked the narration, and picked it up. And I wouldn't—I probably wouldn't have encountered that and wouldn't have learned about that 
uh, without my Audible subscription. Uh, so if you're intrigued by stories like this uh, or any of the other thousands of topics that you can find, why not treat yourself uh, this year in this holiday season? Go to audible.com slash PCPer or text PCPer to 500-500 and you can get three months of Audible, your first three months, for six ninety five a month, which is more than half off the regular price. And as an Audible member, what you get for that, that subscription fee is, is three titles every month. That's one audiobook and two Audible originals, which are great. Uh, you can't find them anywhere else. These are exclusive to Audible, hence the name Audible Original. And they're little – like they're everything from short stories to discussions to uh, 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 di- like different narrations of like essays and things. There's tons of them and they're really well produced. Uh, so you're, you're really going to like that. And with Audible – you keep the good, the books you get. So if you do end up canceling your subscription at some point down the road, I mean, like I've been, I haven't, obviously, I don't think you will if you get into it. Um, but if you do, you keep them forever. You can continue to access those books even after your subscription ends. Uh, and also they have the audible great listen guarantee. If you don't like a book for any reason at all, you, you go online, you check a box and they give you the credit back so you can swap it for a different book. And, I've had to do that maybe like two or three times in those 15 years because I just didn't like the narrator or the book went in a direction I wasn't, I wasn't uh, excited about. And it's truly no questions asked. I had a new book in my account within like two minutes. Uh, so, so you don't have to worry about wasting a credit, you know, if you're not sure about a book. Uh, so again, check out audible.com slash PC per or text PC per five, uh, excuse me, text PC per to 500, 500, to get your first three months of Audible for just six ninety five a month. And thanks to Audible for supporting the PC Perspective podcast. Audible. Hey. It, it is, I mean, um, it's you a hang out service. with me more often. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll have to. Uh, that book got me thinking about some things. Um, I'm listening to a book right now called Where Wizards Stay Up Late, which is about the origins of the internet. It's very interesting. It's one of those books where... It's dense enough. There's no way I would sit down and read one of these, especially taking care of my three-year-old all the time. Yeah. But put on headphones, walk around the house, pick up after him, feed him. I'm listening to a book all day, and I can get, you know, six hours into this book. And it's it's very interesting stuff. Like, there's so much of, of the nonfiction that, that I have have collected over the years on Audible and books about computer history and stuff like this that are – fascinating but i never even would have taken i would have looked at a book like this it's like 400 pages and like no I, I can't never i'll never get to this yeah but i'll finish it it just gives you an opportunity to get that information when you can't when you wouldn't otherwise have a chance to it's uh it's great it's it's the one service i've been like i said 15 years never regretted a single month all right well let's get back to the show uh we've got um a uh, story here about some more of the RTX, NVIDIA RTX, I don't know what you call it, controversy, saga. Um, combustion. Com- called combustion. Yeah. So, so uh, the RTX cards have had some problems. <laughs> NVIDIA came out and did finally admit, uh, I don't know if that was after the last show or not, but they, they did mention that some cards have some problems. But this is a whole new problem. Uh, over at Hard OCP, somebody posted uh, some pictures that, that indicated that their card uh, caught on fire. And so uh, Alan and Scott uh, got together and and took a look at the pictures that were provided. And we didn't have this particular card that this this uh, this user had yeah. uh, here at the office, so we we couldn't check for sure. But there were some sites that have uh, teardowns. Yeah, somebody did a really good teardown with uh, pretty high res pictures that we yeah. could uh, uh, you know take a look at and try to get a good 
sort of X marks the spot of where what looked like yep. the hot spot. Find out what went wrong. <laughs> right. And uh, I mean, you know, that X is over an inductor. Inductors are basically shorts anyway. So that's probably not the thing that caught on fire. It, it really looked like the board blistered. And like, if you go back up to the actual fire picture, uh, it looked like the, the layers just like delaminated and like expanded. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it, it actually, the board got thicker where, <laughs> where like at the center of the hotspot and the closest I could think is that there was a, a set of TSVs or the vias, sorry. Uh, I was going for the very small version of TSVs or the larger version of TSVs. Go, uh, go up to the other picture. This one. Yeah. So see, there's like a choke point there on the left, slightly above where the X is. Mm-hmm. Uh, with uh, two sets of six little holes there in the PCB, little circles, right? And that's where you would try to connect two layers of the board or maybe not that layer to something else, but un- within the layers of the board, there's probably a v- some vias that are connecting other layers amongst themselves. And that means that that, uh, that trace, if you look at it, it has to get really narrow when it cuts through that. Yeah that elbow there right and goes around those 12 holes and you can see how thick the pad is above and below or how thick the trace is and then it so it's kind of like a choke point you know so you know i would think that maybe that's not the design defect but maybe something else on the board caused a lot of current to go through that spot Mm -hmm. more than designed and if you did if you were gonna overdraw that part of the circuit that's the spot that would light up really um just you know and again this is just guessing but all the other components that were around that nothing was a thing that's not like like already a short like that big resistor there that's a shunt resistor it's used to measure current it's almost a dead short already Mm -hmm. (laughs) if it shorted (laughs) nothing would go wrong it just the board would just not be able to measure it's uh you know it's current correctly right but yeah i don't know so again, we were just guessing because these are these are based on on that one picture provided, yeah. uh, and then also based on pictures we found from another site that had this that same board. Uh, so we can't say anything definitively, but well, and for all we know, maybe there was a PSU cable that abraded itself on the side of the board. But I mean, you yeah. know, could have something could have just hit it on that edge and shorted it. I mean, there are traces with just a f- solid 12 volts on them right there along the edge. No, but nothing, you know. nothing obvious that we're seeing that would lead us to believe this is some massive defect defect. Right, 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 right. If there was a defect somewhere like the, to cause that, it would probably be like in the, uh, in the phases of the, the power. Are you running windows power. update again? Yeah. Alan, it'd be in the power phases <laughs> of the, of, of the, of the GPU, like right next to the GPU somewhere, if one of those guys just dead shorted yeah. and stayed switched on, right? Now, it might have also taken out the GPU along with it while it was lighting up, lighting that edge of the board on fire. But, sure, you know, again, wild speculation. Okay. So, I mean, if you have an RTX card in your system, don't panic. Uh, yeah. If, 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 you, if you had the issues I'm, that I mean, were... there have been failures. There's, yes, there is a, right? a, a, an issue with failures of reference design cards. Yes, that NVIDIA has uh, thankfully finally acknowledged and is looking to address. Uh, but for this particular issue, I wouldn't, I wouldn't panic. It doesn't, right. doesn't seem to be like a, a and, and, and I would say that the other issue is not 
the the boards are all like overheating parts of the board and potentially burning themselves. Like that's not what the other failures have been, yeah. right? I think this. I don't know if there's any others. Have I think this is the only one that was like a this board actually cooked, right? The only one with pictures. Oh. Plenty of people said, "Oh, me too," but well, yeah, it's the internet. Picture it didn't happen. I'm sure that. If they just say me too for that kind of a thing, you'd, you'd bet they would be posting pictures if it actually happened. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's the hype over this now where it's you know you get a good good internet points if you can yeah if you can rag on RTX. So I'm sure we'd see more if it was more widespread. But that burn um, is so ray traced. I'm, so, I'm sorry, <laughs> that, that burn mark. Is so oh, it's it yes. looks so realistic because of the ray tracing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that totally uh, needs an RTX on. Yeah, RTX on. RTX. I'm sure. I would be disappointed if that meme hasn't been spread already. Um, but uh, yeah, so good to know. Good to have us look at it. Uh, but I wouldn't go panicking that your card's going to start on fire if you've got one uh, yeah. in your system. Uh, now we alluded to this earlier uh, with the RX 590 review. But uh, here's just some more detail on that deal they've got going right now. So if you buy an RX 590, uh, RX 580, or RX 570, you get uh, free games, which uh, Jeremy noted are all sequels uh, of some kind. Uh, And then the the games you get— And Tom Clancy teaches Division has got to be the best one. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You better get this right, kid. Um, So you get if with the 580 and the 570, you get your choice of uh, two— of rather uh, uh, two of Resident Evil Two, Devil May Cry Five, or The Division Two, with the five ninety or a Vega card, if you're still buying those, uh, you get um, all three, which and uh, AMD points out is a hundred eighty dollar value. So, yeah, I mean, and, if you, and, you know, if you don't ne- have those games already and you want them, never trust. Well, what we you say don't about because video none of them are out. Because Devil May Cry Five is a third person hack and slash, as opposed to my poor description earlier. Oh, is that what? Uh, that's what, None of them are out Hackintosh? Hackintosh, rather? Yeah. Hackintosh? Yeah. Uh, Hack- yeah, Not a Hackintosh. Had a little short circuit there in my own traces. <laughs> Hashintosh. <laughs> um, yeah, and they're, they're, uh, they're not out yet. Uh, you can get them by if, uh, if you buy the card now or through February 9th, 2019, as long as uh, supplies last, which I guess in this case are just the number of keys they've arranged to, to provision for this program. And then once you win... You've got till April 6th of next year to claim it. So if you do win, or sorry, once you win, not win, once you buy it and get the keys assigned to you. <laughs> the more you buy, the more them. you win. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so that's, I guess, you know, none of these games particularly appeal to me, but uh, if they're your thing, that's uh, something to consider when you're pricing out these cards. Okay, uh, next up we've got, uh, this is, Pertinent here because we've got Alan sitting next to me uh-huh. running Windows updates. I'm trying to show. I'm trying to test uh, Jeremy's uh, <laughs> Jeremy's post there. Uh, so I guess it's good we got the system hooked up here instead of on mine. But we've got a bunch of Windows problems here. Uh, Jeremy had uh, multiple stories for us over the last two weeks. I've kind of tied them all together under a single uh, uh, entry here. But uh, tell tell us. Oh no, st- these are just the ones from this week. Oh right, okay. Sorry, it's 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 been a rough uh, rough time here. But uh, tell yeah. us about this, Jeremy. Well, I mean, we can start out with the uh, the network drives, which is just freaking absolutely gorgeous because Windows 10 October update, days before December, just keeps on giving. <laughs> it's it's not that it's deleting your files without consent anymore, which is nice. You know, that's that's a step in the right direction. It just starts dropping your mapped network drives. 
It just prevents you from accessing your files that are on your network storage. And, and it's like, well, I want my P drive back. Okay, which one is your P drive again? Um, is that that person's S drive or is it the Q mm-hmm. drive? Yeah, and so it, it's consistent. You reboot, you lose your network drives. You stay running for a while, you lose your network drives. You Obviously, you shouldn't be using network drives anymore. I mean, Microsoft has moved to SharePoint Online. You should, too. There you go. And I like but, how they point out, like, Microsoft acknowledges. They went, oh, yeah, yeah, we, that's a bug. Sure. Uh, we'll have a fix for you next year. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, we're talking 2019. <laughs> what? I mean, it's Hopefully like, Q1. Yeah. But, Hopefully. Uh, there's the nice uh, Bluetooth audio bug in 1809 that's been there since beta. That hasn't been fixed. Yeah. That's never been fixed. Oh, but they, they, ha- they really, really dislike audio cam. Yeah. Because not working. only did they get rid of the Bluetooth audio, they, they've sort of dropped any s- support whatsoever for Intel audio support through external video. So if you've got a nice HDMI connection, you plug it into your TV. Well, I hope you weren't hoping to be able to listen to it. Some people cause... rely on the even monitor uh, HDMI audio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, um, they shouldn't. Uh, apparently. Anymore. Because it it's, it's not a thing. Yeah. And just to make it even better, the absolute best thing that they did, uh, apart from the Azure outage, which only some of us care about, which is still going on, if you turned on 2FA, you get 0FA, and they have no <laughs> Fs to A. Uh, but they broke their own bloody media player. Yeah, The newest patches that went out to try and fix the other audio issues broke the ability to seek on Windows Media Player. You can't use the bar to jump around anymore. Oh, because no, no. You just got to start from the beginning. That's it. I, it's, seriously? Oh, who still uses Windows Media Player? I mean, it's all about Groove now, right? I, yeah. Or the video, yeah. the movie player, or whatever they call it. But every once in a while, it likes to default back to the original programs just for reasons unknown to anyone but Microsoft. Actually, no. It's probably unknown to Microsoft as well. Uh, it just... Boop. All right, you're no longer using VLC or Groove. You're using our Windows Media Player again, but you have to listen to it all. As the artist intended, there is no jumping through songs. You have to listen from start until finish. <laughs> nice. I mean, it is- continues. So there, there were three or four other things that I just didn't have time to post this week. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be at this point. We've got to start considering that all those like QA testers who they fired, fired. are intentionally like screwing the operating system, like still they, they didn't revoke their VPN key or whatever. <laughs> they can get in there and like, it's not just that they now have this fast track thing and feedback and the tool even shows up on your desktop. I think is an icon <laughs> and it's its own little portal and you go there and you give feedback and all these times that there's these things that, you know, crap hits the fan on Microsoft when they tried to roll this thing out and it backfired on them. There's always a hand, at least a handful of yep. posts about, Hey, yep. this thing breaks this. You shouldn't launch this. Yeah. I mean, you got like, uh, you know, Paul Therott, who's at therott.com and does uh, Windows Weekly over on Twit. Yeah. He's been losing his damn mind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this yeah. guy who's, he is, he's even keeled. I've been listening to him for 15, 20 years, however long he's been doing podcasts. Yeah. Uh, he normally, Microsoft will completely crap the bed and he will sit there and rationalize it. And I mean, he's, he will admit it, but he'll, he'll be reasonably correct them. Yeah. He's yes. re, he is losing it 
and uh, over the last few weeks because every single issue, as you said, every single issue that's come out from yeah. the severe to the just the annoying have had multiple reports in the feedback hub. Yep. Upvotes, uh, some separate reports, slightly de- de- describing the same issue slightly differently. There is no excuse right. for Microsoft to be screwing up this bet. And then it's doubly insulting when you go on Twitter and you got – now, it's not necessarily her fault, but you got Donna Sakar, who's the insider uh, chief yeah. now. And she's being all cutesy and posting little things and, 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 oh, tell us how you use Windows. Like, well, I don't use it because you just killed my <laughs> network drive and deleted my user profile. So Listen, we're giving you the QA for free. You could at least pay attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's the problem. I mean, this, when, when, when Microsoft went to this system, the whole thing was fine. You're going to be updating us regularly, whatever. I mean, some people didn't like it, but you got to get this right. And they got it. They screwed up initially. They kind of hit a period about a year ago where things were okay. They had one or two updates come out that were pretty smooth, mm-hmm. and then they've just gone right off the deep end now. I mean, I'm, I've had multiple. Roll had up the members. windows to oh, it's a new bug. Oh, it's a new bug. Yeah, oh, it's a new bug. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's bizarre. I don't know what's going on there, and I and obviously, I mean, they got to be taking it seriously. But at the same time, their stock price is soaring, yeah. and it's Satya le- Nadell is getting all this because praise. it's Windows as a service, and it's brilliant, yeah. and they love it. It's so, a lesson and that, you know. the other thing is that drives me nuts is their whole roll-up thing. Before I could pick and choose, even if it was a bloody service pack, you could pick and choose. Yeah, I, we don't want this one because it blows that up. Oh, I don't like that one; it tastes funny. I don't like that one because it actually doesn't work in our domain. Right, and then push that out. With Windows as a service, no, it's it's this ball of hate, and you either take it or you don't. Yeah, you can't have just a bit of it, and that's that's a shame because I don't I don't know where else to send people. You know, Alex is over there just going, "Oh, Linux." <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I would never make that argument. <laughs> those, like those seriously, are... I would I would never argue that people who would be using Windows on the desktop should be using Linux on a desktop instead because you, you just that's the keep, wrong tool for the job. You want to keep grandmas out of your support forms. What was that? Um, oh, when they broke everybody's webcam. Mm-hmm. Right? When that update yeah, came yeah. Anniversary update, I think. Right? The anniversary update, right? Yeah. That was, one, that was the first thing where they had the feedback hub and like there were a bunch of people reporting it on there for months, apparently. And then they just, just said, screw it. And they just pushed it out anyway. And then it, there was this huge backlash because they basically just broke everybody's freaking webcam. Yeah. Right. And uh, that should have been the event where they learned that lesson. It should. There should not have been more repeats of this. There have been multiple events where now any reasonable yeah. person would well, say. Well, now they just keep happening. Yeah. Now it's, it's literally yeah. just like like just like Jeremy said with that one post and he throws throws it up against the wall and sees what sticks. So like, mm-hmm. just try this patch and try that patch. Yep. Oh, it broke something else. Try that patch. Just ridiculous. Problem is you got a guy in the corner saying, "Oh, look, market share is still going up." Yeah, still going up. Yeah, still going up. Yeah, keep doing it. Yeah, that's 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 the issue. Is I fear that that at the top they're focused on that more than more than they should be. Yeah, thank. Um, but all right. Well, everybody listening to this probably understands. We don't have to beat this <laughs> beat this this corpse of a horse. It's what else you gonna <laughs> use? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Sometimes my spleen's no got a vent. I'm sorry. Was that special? So this is the problem with no competition on desktop. Like, yeah, Linux exists, but that has existed for 15, 20 years for users, and it's still not catching on for obvious reasons. And if you want to run software, if you want to run AAA games, if you want you know, to run Office, you're using Windows, or you might be using a Mac. But if yeah. you are a computer hardware enthusiast, you're running Windows. 
And mm-hmm. unfortunately, especially with DirectX 12 being exclusive to Windows 10, you pretty much have to run Windows 10 if you want to run the newest stuff. And, and forget uh, like the, the hardware, of course. The new hardware that comes out is pretty much only having drivers for Windows 10 released. Even if it's theoretically or technically possible to have Windows 8 support at this point, you're pretty much stuck with Windows 10. So they right. obviously have a very advantageous market position at this point, and they're releasing beta software to users. To everybody. And, no. Yeah, to everybody. <laughs> As your operating system, too. It's not yeah. like... Beta, oh, oh, this, my, my, I would totally be fine with this if I was just beta testing, like, oh, the new Windows 10. Okay, I'll try it yeah. out. This yeah, is not like break shit. Yeah, I mean, the stakes, as the Windows 10 market share increases, the stakes are just getting higher and higher for them to not screw yeah. up these these patches. And, so, you know, someone made a good point, too. I think it was, it was might have been Paul Bethrod or, or maybe it was on Reddit, but some somebody, a Windows analyst, made a point that because they've ignored the insiders who have been doing the work and have been finding this stuff for so mm-hmm. long, they're going to give up. Right. They're approaching a point where if they haven't yep. already, they're going to go, it's not worth it, they're not listening. And so that makes it even worse going forward because – then Microsoft, even if they do decide to pay attention, isn't going to have the same level of data coming in. Yeah. I mean, the insider feedback thing is a freaking gold mine. Yeah. Like companies yeah. wish they had something like that. Yeah. Microsoft like over has it. Millions of people in that program. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Uh, well, the problem is, though, that for Microsoft, it's like, well, it doesn't matter it, because they're not being paid. So obviously they're just amateurs. They're not professionals. They don't know what they're talking about. Well, okay. So, uh, well, you fired all your. No, no. Don't tell me things I don't want to hear. Don't tell me about how we <laughs> fired all the paid ones. <laughs> Uh, it's just we're supposed to be listening to the amateur ones, except we don't really want to. There is a lot of that also in the feedback hub, but it has a it has a mechanism to that stuff doesn't rise to the top. It doesn't get upvoted. You know, no, you it get, doesn't. Like you know, you get some random person that just doesn't know how to use a mouse or something, and they make a complaint. Yeah, okay, it's not going to get upvoted like yeah. the other like the hey your update breaks everybody's webcam thing that had like you know dozens and dozens of upvotes and was like the <laughs> most popular thing on the. You know, on the whole dang site, right before they pushed out the update. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't have any strange how a bunch of corporations are still holding on to Windows Seven, tooth and claw. Yeah, Microsoft's really counting on that upgrade revenue next year, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, you know, no answers unfortunately, other than hopefully just keep don't don't give up. Keep next year at Microsoft. Just keep updating. Next year yeah. it will all be better. Sure. Well, all right, let's go. Let's move on. We're going over time here. Uh, so we got Sebastian up with a news item about an AMD Vega powered gaming handheld. Yes. Uh, the, by the way, the one thing I didn't see anything about was any estimate of battery life. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> you got a car battery reasons. strapped to your back. Yeah. This is pretty funny because this has been, I found an article by our own Jeremy from, I think, 2015 when this first changed from Steam Boy. Not affiliated with Steam. Yeah, so oh, I remember uh, Steam Boy. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, well, we're the Smock. Where did they come up with the name? I want to know. Well, you lay it in a Smock, and next thing the you know. Smock Zero. Oh, okay. Well, it's got the same letters. Sorry, no. Same number of letters as Switch. Isn't that the thing like when you were in from a grade school and you did the like painting and then you put on a Smock? Smock? Well, I mean, I think it's spelled differently. Smock, uh, but yeah, S M O C K. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I've never Smocks spelled the word. Smocks have been part of my life since I could spell. So right. <laughs> you know, Dad's old T-shirt. It's the thing that keeps you from getting paint all over yourself. Right. Yeah. But uh, originally, this was going to be a what was it originally going to be? A Merlin Falcon 
platform from AMD. And that was actually still on one of the crowdfunding pages in the official specs, but they have updated it to a Ryzen embedded solution. It's the V1605B SOC with Vega 8 graphics. It's a quad core eight thread processor. And this thing, it's just, I have no no faith in it actually being released, but if it is, I mean, this is four years now of crowdfunding and different name changes and configuration changes, but they're promising it will actually ship next year at some point. Okay. Perhaps. Listen, I don't want to call bullshit on what's on the screen right now, but I call bullshit. (laughs) The Witcher 3 720p medium at 40 frames per second. No way. Well, it's at 720 no. medium no. settings? No. Not the Witcher 3. Well, they've only got like 1,500 pixels to drive, so. Well, I want to see one of these play Star Citizen. Yeah. And then, like, the crowdfunding universe <laughs> yes. will implode in on itself. <laughs> the Smock Z running Star Citizen coming in 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. For real this time. We promise. All right, well, it's something to... Keep an eye on. Do we know? Obviously, the crowd is. Are they still taking taking money or? Oh, they'll probably take your money. Like how much? What do they? What do they want? Out of this? Take your so money. I went to both pages. I thought it was closed. Let's see okay. what Kickstarter lets me do. Uh, it says final hours. It said final hours last time I went to this page. Leaving it in affiliated with Leon's duffel bag for cash. Let's go. Oh, this was back from 2016. This is an old Kickstarter. That's still in the final hours? <laughs> yeah, still in the final hours. It's Indiegogo, I think, currently. What could go wrong? Yeah. Well, something to keep an eye on. All right, well, we'll uh, if, if, they, if this ever releases, we promise we'll do what we can to get one and actually test it out for you. A um, uh, quick news story here from Jeremy. Uh, we've got some RGB control. Coming to uh, Ada 64? It is absolutely true. And the sad part is it makes the RGBs useful. Oh, boy. <laughs> you, you, it will install a driver that will actually let you take over uh, some of the RGB software from like SteelSeries, Cooler Master, and Corsair and provide useful data like your CPU utilization or temperatures or current voltages. I, you, you set it up so as the uh, the RGB changes color, it's giving you visual information or as they start to glow or not glow. I, I hate to say it, but that actually makes a bit of sense. Yeah. I know like uh, NZXT has some software that they'll do with their RGB controller that'll like you hook it up to temp- temperature sensors and it'll change from blue to red as your CPU or GPU temp rises. So that, that's definitely cool. But to see it in a... You know, a, a uh, it's not compatible with everything, but to see it in more of a well, Ada sixty four is pretty much compatible with everything. Well, I meant I meant the RGB control. It says Steel Series Cooler Master Corsair. So yeah, yeah. Um, not not truly everything, but I mean, uh, having it multi platform, having it be in a piece of software that I trust to run on my computer, perhaps more than some of these controller software yeah. packages from some of these companies. Uh, so that's that's cool to check. So that's version. Make sure you get five point nine nine. Uh, before we get to version six here, so they're squeezing in that one nope. last feature. Five dot one hundred. Oh right, of course <laughs> it, it could happen. <laughs> how could I? How could I forget? 
Um, all right. Uh, next up, we've got uh, another story here from Jeremy about uh, 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 porting Black Mesa to uh, Source Engine. Is that what this is? Do you not know I missed what this. Black Mesa is? Well, I've heard see, of it, but I, 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 this is something Half-Life, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. It is Half-Life 1 ported to the Source Engine. Okay. These guys started it ages ago. I like, I'm thinking 2015 ish, 2014 ish. Yep. And originally it was free. It was a mod. And so they slowly let out the chapters in it. And my God, Half-Life one in the source engine is just sheer, sheerly gorgeous. Oh, this looks pretty good. Yeah. And so they've taken forever to get to the worst part of the game, or it might be someone's favorite. It's not me. Yeah. It's the end, the end levels of the game. Yeah. Yeah, it's Zen, because before Black Mesa, it was free, then eventually it got greenlighted uh, on good. Steam, and you could pay a bit of money for it. <laughs> yeah. But it ended after shooting the, the flying head things in the portal into Zen, and that was the end of it. And so now you get Testicle Monster in gorgeous friggin' right. Source Engine. So this is the end of the, this goes all the way to the end of the game then, right? Yes. Okay, that's it. They're going to have to get my money now. How do they charge for this? It's on Steam. So they must have no, that's not with... what I mean. Well, oh, I know, and I fully oh, understand. It's not their intellectual property. How do they charge I for it? I would imagine they worked out something with... Yeah, I guess Valve of all companies it, would they, be the yeah. one to work something out with yeah. someone like this. Valve sort of looked at them and said, wait, you're putting out better things than we are Half-Life related. Yeah, like, why don't you come help us out here? And we might shoot you a penny on the dollar. Nice. It yeah. was on special. It's uh, 22 bucks right now. Uh, maybe a bit cheaper in, in American is, money. Is it one of those things where you have to have the original assets and then it's a new engine, or does it replace nope. everything? No, it pulls okay. down. That's the whole game. Yeah, so like 20, the way they yeah, twenty-two bucks for Half-Life in a modern engine. Yeah, so when it bad. was when it was a free update, you had to already have whatever the other. Gotcha. You had to have some other title or something, and then it went on top of it and turned yeah. it into Black Mesa. Yeah. But now it's just its own. You know, once it hit Steam as a for-purchase thing, it there were no other dependencies. That's that's right. I, I haven't played Half Life since the original. Man, I've good time to revisit it. Uh, and it's so much better looking than trying to replay the original <laughs> as oh, yeah. it was I mean, released. If we can go back to the screen here, YouTube recommended a video with Jay's two cents, and he's he has the look on his face I had when that video started playing. Like what? Mm-hmm. This is Half Life. Imagine nice. if it had RTX. Yeah, right. Half Life. Well, it has that's like Black Mesa. It's like is Source Engine integrating RTX stuff? No, no, I don't. Know. <laughs> at the same time, Half Life Three comes out. They don't actually develop video games over there. No, but, they but, just make money. But is the I mean the engine like bringing support for RTX? Oh, I, I don't think so. As a technology, I, okay. I would like to see Black Mesa. It's not exactly on the like cutting edge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jensen said it just works. I yeah. mean, I, <laughs> you know, eight lines code or whatever. Yep. Uh, well, there's some interesting upscaling stuff they could do, but yeah, we'll see. All right. Well, uh, next uh, next up, we've got a uh, new power splice from Silverstone, and this is uh, if you saw. Who wrote this one? I've never heard of him. Uh, it's it's some loser. Um, <laughs> Ken and Allen uh, did a um, was that an ITX build? Uh, mm-hmm. The geek case, yeah. They did a great little uh, small form factor build a few weeks ago. We still got the video up on the site if you want to check it out. Uh, so I believe the video was about as long as this podcast will be. Actually, yeah. we'll possibly see. longer. Yep. Uh, but. Uh, uh, so obviously, small form factor is uh, increasingly popular. 
And the SFX power supply format, though, has been limited in wattage. You've got some companies hit 600. I think maybe one hit 650. See, uh, or, uh, Silverstone came out uh, last year with a SFXL format, which they could push to 800, but it was longer. It was bigger. So mm-hmm. it didn't truly fit that uh, specification for size. So now they've come out uh, now with the 700-watt true FSX, SFX specification size power supply launching uh, next month, and uh, so it's the first in that form factor to hit 700 watts. So at 700 watts, you can put the beefiest GPU, although I guess you might be constrained in size there too, but you can put those really high-powered high processors, those beefy GPUs in there, and you can accommodate a much more powerful system. Yeah, I mean, Ken and I got a 2080 Ti and a pretty good CPU. Into, was it 990? Uh, or 990? Was that no, what was it? 86. Oh. Well, that's right. It was the yeah the special edition. I will say that this uh, probably won't be on top for very long. There's yeah, a Corsair 750 watt one yeah. that's kind of been leaking out all over the place, and I would probably expect retail availability announcement at CES. But you know, yeah, 700 watts. Well, it's is still nice to really see them emphasize good. girth over length. <laughs> sure. Um, and it's it's got a uh, it's a 92 millimeter fan. I think it's they said so. It's uh, might not be the quietest. But it's a fluid dynamic bearing fan, so maybe, you know, not too bad. But if you need the power and you need it now, check that one out. Yeah. Uh, and uh, speaking, continuing with power supplies, uh, some not so positive news. Uh, the trade war uh, that's been going on globally, primarily between the U.S. and China, uh, is starting to hit more components. Uh, and this time it's uh, seasonic power supplies. Uh, they put out a press release stating that starting December 1st, that's just a few days away, all of their products pretty much are going to have an increase in MSRP due to the uh, issues with tariffs and uh, supp- uh, component costs, uh, mm-hmm. suppliers, uh, raw material costs. So uh, they put a chart out. I mean, it's good that they're clear about it. They put this chart out. They really they have a post on their website, and you can clearly see what it was before, what it'll be new. It ranges from as little as $5, and which equates to about 5%. To twenty five dollars, I think maybe thirty, which is about twelve percent on some of the higher end models. So it's not the end of the world, but if you're doing one of those budget builds, like I want to hit five hundred dollars, I want to hit you know an eight hundred dollar PC, you know having ten percent more on your power supply can be a can be an issue without taking into regard that other components may continue to go up as this uh, trade war continues. So, so I'm thinking of starting Hellstrom Seasonic shipping. Uh, it comes in through Canada. There you go. Don't have to worry about it. <laughs> I'm sure that there would be no problem with that at all. Um, but, uh, yeah, so check that out if you're interested in a Seasonic supply. They, they've got the information up uh, on the prices. And if you buy before December 1st, even if it doesn't ship, you get the, you get the old price, the, pre, the pre-raised price. So if, if, you're, if you're on the fence about one of these, go get it now because as we're recording this, it's the 28th. Mm-hmm. So I've got a couple days left for you. Oh, don't worry. It's the 29th now. It's the 29th though. Okay. Well, not in the West Coast. All right. Uh, oop. So picks of the week, I guess. That was it. All right. Picks of the week. Uh, I've got one first. Uh, it is a SanDisk USB dual drive, uh, little thumb drive, a uh, flash drive. I've got multiple computers now. I've got ones that have USB type A, uh, USB type C, including Macs. I was, I was in a position a couple weeks ago where I was trying to move data, and the fastest way to do it would have been on a flash drive. I didn't have the proper fitting for one or the other computers. I didn't want to get out an adapter. Mm-hmm. 
So this one does it uh, for you, uh, does both for you. It's got one end where you push it and it slides out to a USB Type C, and it's got the other end which uh, pushes out to a USB 3.0 Type A. All right. Uh, variety oh, of capacities. Okay. I picked up personally the 64 gig. It's less than twenty dollars at Amazon right now. It's a standard flash drive. It's not one of those super fast ones. So the reads are fine. The reads are like 150 megabytes a second. The writes are like 20. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be a speed demon mm-hmm. for basically kind of a utilitarian, like just I got to move some data around. And they it works with Android phones too that have a Type-C port. You know what I like the most about this is it's not super, super tiny because I lose those. Yes. Yeah. Like the ones yeah. that are just the size of USB-A port. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just lose them. Yeah, it's it's got a good size to it, not too big, not too small, and uh, shut up, Josh. And um, <laughs> but how does it feel? How does it feel in your hand? Oh, it feels fine. It's got a nice that little texture right there. <laughs> oh, is that really just an aesthetic touch? Is that, that ribbing? It's it. it, it's 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 got a texture that is that ribbed that you you, you will you will feel it if you if the motion's right mm. in your hand. Gotcha. Yep. Uh, but it does it does get pretty hot too. It'll warm up. Mm. When you're using yeah. it with friction. too hard, uh, with friction or, or su- the suggestion of friction, mm-hmm. um, okay, it, it, it gets things it, it gets going a little bit. So that's uh, what's the looking, lotion in the basket? If you're looking for a versatile, cheap power supply or power supply, oh, that sounds very drive. versatile. Yes, uh, check that out. Sandisk Ultra Dual Drive. Uh, so it's uh, less than twenty bucks for sixty-four gigs, and it goes up to two hundred fifty-six uh, gigs. Uh, next up, we've got something from Jeremy, which is just fantastic. It, it's so absolutely and completely horrible. I, it's, it's caused me to lose all faith in humanity whatsoever. <laughs> so I had to share it. Yes. Big mouth Billy Bass is back. Oh, dear. <laughs> you can order it from Amazon. It will pair with any of your favorite Alexa uh, oh. devices and... Not only can you talk to the fish, the fish lip syncs Alexa back to you. How how did they screw this up so much? You have to pair it to an Echo. Yeah. I know. There's space enough in there to fit one. This should be the Echo. Echo Dot plus Billy Bass, 40 bucks, seems pretty. (laughs) Seems like. Forty bucks plus, you need an extra device. Like, yeah, my on. take is, my take is, they should have just built it in. Yeah, this should yeah. just be it. No, don't well, get me this wrong. This is all off of somebody that built one. Yeah, and they did build it in. Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive that the Billy Bass Corporation could figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me wrong. But well, I mean, no one's buying this. Send me down to the river thing again. What we gonna do? Yeah, like I want, I want the trigger word, the trigger phrase to just be, "Hey, Billy Bass," and then it turns towards you. It does, right? Yes, Alan. And then you ask it, you know, order me some toilet paper or whatever, right? And then, you know. <laughs> that says, already? You need more? <laughs> Alan, I think you should get a colonoscopy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should eat less fish. Um, <laughs> wah, wah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I might have to order that. It's 40 bucks, so, I mean, just be horrible to somebody. It's, yeah. it's worth it. Totally worth it. Uh, right, next up, we've got, is this Josh? I don't know, is it? With the RAM? You haven't heard me for a while. Josh likes I know. the RAM things. It's been a long day. I'm sorry. It's been a long yes, podcast. It you know what? 16 gigs of pretty fast RAM for under 100 bucks. We haven't seen that in a while. So even though it's only DDR4 3000, timings aren't great. Voltage is fine. 
it still works. And it's 16 gig. Just at the $100 price mark. It's nice to see these things go down. Prices returning to a land of reasonableness. Yes, and especially with all the thank you, Sebastian, about, uh, you know, price fixing in DRAM, which seems to be like, you know, something that happens every five years. Uh, we're, we're seeing nice drops in, in prices in RAM and SSDs. So, yeah. Hubba, Now's hubba, about hubba. the time. If you really need it, might as well get it. All right. Yep. It's good to see that, that $100 mark again. All right. Next up, Alan. Yeah. Is this so, fish uh, compatible? Uh, I, I, I don't think so. Ah. Uh. Um, it is, uh, Z-Wave door lock. Alan, your home is being broken into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Should I swim upstream and tell them? So I figured I'd finally get one of these, you know, fancy schmancy alarm systems for the house. You know, whole, like, keep your house, keep your wife safe and all that stuff. Oh, come on. You're worried about your Teslas and your GPU mining rigs. Well, the Teslas are not in the house. They can get (laughs) stolen right out of the driveway. Anyway. Um, so picked up this, uh, alarm, the ring alarm. Uh, it's... I don't I don't know if it's a Black Friday specific sale that just happens to still be going or not, but if you just look up the ring alarm on Amazon and then you go the five piece kit, which comes with some of the other sensors and like the range extender and the other things, five piece kit's like two hundred dollars. The eight piece kit is eleven dollars cheaper. Huh. Yeah. Right. Well, Jeff Bezos wants more information about the inside of your house, so he's willing to give you more sensors. I uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess. So like the it, I mean, it's, it's, you save like 80 bucks or something on top of what was already, I think, a sale price. Um, so not bad, you know, and then you end up with, uh, three contact sensors and two motion sensors instead of just, I think, one of each or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he knows when bad. you are sleeping, he knows when you're awake. And I mean, part of the thing that sent me down this path was not so much for the alarm, but because I had this quick set Kivo door lock that was just a piece of crap. And it was the, like the first generation one. The Bluetooth support was just poor in it. And it's supposed to just like know your phone is nearby. And then you just touch the bezel of the door lock and it's supposed to just unlock. Mm-hmm. It would just take forever to figure out what was going on. And you're just standing there in the rain waiting. You know, just it was just a bad experience. So I figured, well, OK, let's switch over to something else that's like more of an IoT style thing. So Z-Wave. So I got led there and I was like, well, what, what am I going to use to control the Z-Wave thing? Might as well make it an alarm system that also happens to be using the same standard. Yeah. Right. Um, integration so far is not like the best. Like I have to drill down a few layers and menus to control the door lock now, like from through the ring thing. I would imagine that at some point you'll be, you know, answering someone ringing your ring doorbell and you have the video on the screen and you're talking to whoever. And if you want to let them in, I would assume that they would eventually like let you add a button to to right there because you're in the same app it's just that right now it's kind of convoluted to get to the door lock control Mm -hmm. where you know you're already in the app they it's just a little bit more code for them to you know make it a little more seamless and and do other things like make it so as it is right now i was i was surprised about this if it's a door lock that has a, a a keypad on it um as far as i understand i think it's compatible with all of the z wave locks um 
if you have the alarm code set, you can take an extra box in settings and it will push that same code to the front door mm. for whoever that person is. Mm-hmm. So then if you later remove that person, <coughs> it will then remove the code from the alarm system and also from the door lock. Yeah. All in the same, you know, same motion basically. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but it's not to the point where when you punch in the key, you know, the code on the front door that it also disarms the alarm or when you lock the front door on yeah. your way out at arm, like that would be nice. It's amazing that they launched it without that. That seems pretty. Yeah. It's like, it, it's like, it's almost they have successfully replicated the overcrowded keychain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'll let you in. It just takes me a second here. But it's, it's, it's like, it's like 95% of the way there, but the only things left, it's, it's like all of the other parts the moving parts are already like connected. Like the hard things to connect are already there. Mm-hmm. Now it's just a, a matter of a little bit extra code yeah. that they need to make it a little bit more of a seamless experience. But that's just a firmware update thing. Okay. Right? So, but we don't live very far from each other. So I will just wait for the phone call in the middle of the night that your alarm has crashed and you can't get into the house. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All I want is Billy Bass sitting on top of my doorstep that says, speak friend and enter. <laughs> Nice, nice. Well, okay, now last up here, we've got uh, a uh, interesting uh, mod here, and uh, this is from uh, Clint at LGR. Or, no, I'm sorry, Sebastian. Yes. yes. Well, yeah, don't let the uh, paltry selection of games back here behind me fool you. Truly, Tiger Woods 99 was, I games. think, the first computer game I ever bought. Nice. It was that and then uh, X Wing. For my first two. X-Wing. Got into the Good game choice. very late. Obviously. Yeah. Do, do, do you want to know my first game that oh, I bought? There we go. I more than suit, Larry? Josh. Parcheesi. Ancient Art of War. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Josh, it doesn't that count. 1986. It doesn't count because you're not showing us the disc. Yeah. Dude, I lost yeah, it. The disc? <laughs> Gone. You didn't, you didn't rebuy the stuff that you lost years ago like I did. Disc or it didn't That's what happen. eBay is for. It's about reclaiming your childhood by buying all the things that you remember. Yeah. I bought a or Donkey something. I bought a Donkey Kong game and watch on eBay because I had one when I was growing up. Nice. There you go. It's a real good investment. Yeah. So typically arcane sort of pick for me, this is a GitHub uh link. It's a project for perfect pixels with DOSBox. And if you're like me and you are endlessly annoyed by soft scaling or just downright incorrect scaling when it comes to square pixels versus squashed pixels as you're seeing oh, on the look, screen. J- Jazz you know. Jackrabbit. Yep. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've got it. I've got it. I've got that on, on my disc. Done. Yeah, Jazz will be on that. But if you don't Jazz want to run... Jackrabbit. If you don't Sorry. want to run it on like a an old computer and you actually want it to look decent on an LCD screen, I had seen something about this a while back. I finally actually installed and tried it out. And I was like on the initial DOS box screen with the command prompt and just staring at the screen like this is so sharp. Like the, the pixels, just the text for me to enter things at the C prompt looked phenomenal compared to how they normally look really soft and kind of uh, blurry in full screen. It looked fantastic. Games look great. It, it's just 
it, obviously it's free. I just downloaded like the from the Windows downloads page the point zero four pixel perfect build. But uh, so this will make Zork look a, good. What's that? This will make Zork look good. Not sure about that. I mean, nice it, crisp task, text. They really should just this this type of thing, this type of fork. They should really just absorb back into. Uh, you know, well, there are no, in, there are no places that distribute DOSBox builds with various add-ons already. Yeah, yeah, like the SVN stuff that's out there. And I, I initially read this and like, oh, what are they actually doing with the settings? And tried changing the settings in my like the latest version of DOSBox is like 0.74-2. And it didn't work. Right. And so I just downloaded it and ran this. Like it was like a self-contained folder. I didn't have to install anything and just boom, it there it is. And it's it's doing perfect like integer scaling without any softness being introduced and without altering the shape of the pixels which is how any retro thing should be should look yes in my opinion mm-hmm. you know unless like, you're this trying to make games look good on a 65 inch tv it looks fantastic i was trying it on my 25 inch like 25 60 by 1440 monitor yeah and i have never had an old dos game look good on that in full screen and it looked <laughs> perfect mm-hmm. wow that's awesome. That's something to check out for sure. All right. So yeah, and if you don't know what DOSBox is, you gotta go, gotta go check that out. If, if you, you don't like know what guess. DOSBox is, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It, it's free and it's it 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 allows you to. Um, it's the thing that Josh would have to use to play all those games on his uh, CD that he keeps waving. Around. Oh, yeah, of those yeah. games. It, it allows you to run DOS era games and Windows three point one era in some cases uh, in modern Windows. So check it out and check this out too. That's uh, that's that is pretty good. All right. I'm gonna have to borrow your sound card to play uh, Wing Commander Two, mm-hmm. Sebastian. It won't sound right without that old one you got. <laughs> right, you need that OPL two chip. Oh yeah. All right, it well, has that- a warmth to it that other <laughs> MIDI devices didn't have. It has that added noise from the 3.5 millimeter <laughs> output. You just don't get the modern sound card mm-hmm. with their 100 decibel signal noise ratio. You know, <laughs> 60 was good enough. Back when you can hear the ISA bus. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and don't even card. think about using like a modern input device anywhere near it. I'm sure that would not sound very good. All Those right. uh, 2G phone sounds. <laughs> First iPhone, the most poorly shielded Art, phone I ever designed. Yep. Yep. All right, well, let's get out of here, folks. It's been uh, way over time. Uh, we're, oh, we're, two and a half hours, we yeah. We are providing listener value. We're your, trying. Yes, your, your value per... You didn't bring a party popper to get us halfway through. I know. I, I was going to bring a gas can and a lighter and set somebody on fire, <laughs> but I thought that might be taking it too far. I mean, I was only going to set you on fire a little bit. It's just bit. because yeah. it's Alan. If it was Ken, you already would have done it. I know. I True. Know. Yeah. Next time, folks, look forward to that. Uh, we'll bring fire extinguishers. Uh, but you can find us uh, at PCPro.com. Uh, get all of our shows at PCPro.com slash podcast. Contact us uh, at Twitter.com slash PCPer. And uh, one last thing I wanted to note, too. Uh, we talked about the Patreon at the beginning of the show. Uh, we were talking here, you know, the Patreon something where, you know, we haven't done as much as a lot of creators who you might be supporting on Patreon have done. So we want to know looking into 2019, what can we do to offer you more value for uh, current subscribers as well as those who uh, 
would consider subscribing if they got something more. Uh, so uh, send us a tweet or drop us an email. Let us know what what we can do. What kind of stuff do you want to see us offer through that program? Because we do recognize that we haven't given you the value we should have, and we want to we want to do that uh, some more going into the next year. Uh, so uh, with that, thanks everybody, and uh, have a great week. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.